This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, ladies and gents. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson along with you, alongside Michael Remus. Oh, I'm looking forward to this show today, folks. Jets training camp is just around the corner. And to get ready for camp, it's been a minute since we've had our good friend Paul Edmonds, voice of the Jets on Jets Radio and 680 CGOB. Paulie's going to join us a little later on in the program. Before that, the unbridled energy and passion of our man Andy McNamara. Uh, we'll get to last night's insane Monday nighter, week one of the National Football League. For those of you that are playing fantasy football, Andy will have some suggestions on what you might want to do waiver wire wise for this week. So we'll get some great football talk in early. Uh, we'll get to our cool bet lines of the day. We will get ready for tonight at Assiniboia Downs. And don't forget tomorrow, the final race day of the year. Remo and I are going to head out there. Um, we'll just be out in the grandstand. So for those of you that weren't able to get to the meetup last Friday, if you want to come out and uh, get out to the Downs, uh, we'd love to see you guys out there. So we'll do that tomorrow. We will get to the picks. And then after 2 p.m., uh, for those of you watching live on YouTube, into the second hour of the program for you on the podcast, uh, we'll go down uh, all the stories around Winnipeg Jets training camp coming up. And, of course, the rookies starting off first. Before we do anything, as always, got to thank the uh, people that make this happen every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club, Assiniboia Downs, and of course, our good friends at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get Michael Remus in here and as we get it going on a Tuesday afternoon. Remo, what's good? How are you doing? I'm feeling good. Uh, it was a bit of a late one yesterday. You know, we joked about that. Usually we have the doubleheader men in a football, but this one being in Vegas uh, went a bit late. So I don't know, got my rest. Good to go. I love sports in Vegas. Us. I don't know why we didn't have this before. Um, Bruce, you know, the intro with Steve Aoki doing that song. Um, I was like, I know this song. And then I was like, hey, it's, I, I'm shocked that, I, you know, considering I didn't know anyone at the VMAs, I'm shocked I was able to recognize Steve Aoki before they put his name up. But then Bruce Buffer doing the It's Time intro. Absolutely incredible. Uh, it's magic. Yeah. It's magic. The Buffer. I was having this conversation with Dusty and Chris uh, over a cold one on the weekend. A lot of people don't realize that Bruce Buffer and Michael Buffer grew up not knowing each other. They're, they're brothers, or they're, I guess they're half-brothers, um, but they did not know that they had a brother until much later in life. And Michael Buffer, who I believe is older than Bruce, was the voice of boxing, and then Bruce you know, has become the, the voice, the announcer for UFC. And uh, Michael's got let's get ready to rumble, and Bruce has <laughs> it's time. I mean, they, it's it's really it really is incredible. Um, I had the chance, the opportunity to have Buffer on the program back yeah. in the in the warm up days. It was a great interview. He's got a book. I, fascinating, fascinating dudes. But let's face it, when you hear either one of those guys get on the mic and let you know that it is either time to ready to rumble or it is time you know that it is a big, big event. And last night's NFL game between the Raiders and Ravens with the first time in a full stadium at Allegiant was, uh, it was the the big fight feel. And I'll tell you what, those two teams went at it. I just finished up the lock shop with Nielsen. And man, 
when you think, I, I, I sometimes joke that the NFL seems fixed, not because we've lost a bet or there was a penalty that Tom Brady got in the last minute. That's not what I'm saying. Just that you could not have scripted. Vince McMahon himself could not have written the scripts for that Thursday night game and the Monday night game, the primetime matchups, to give us any more incredible yeah. drama. But uh, it was a hell of a win for the Raiders. And uh, everyone knows I uh, hate the Raiders. They are the arch rivals of the Chiefs. But credit where credit is due. Ballsy comeback by the Raiders to to win. I think the Ravens thought they had it won a couple times. The Ravens thought they had it won a couple times. Uh, and it all came down to uh, to the end. Uh, they got it done. Didn't need to kick the field goal. Zay Jones. I'll tell you what. David Carr. Dar- David Carr had a really neat interview afterwards. Um, you know, the pressure of being a quarterback. Uh, you know, it comes with the twenty million a year or whatever you're making. But I mean, he was somewhat emotional. Talked about Zay Jones being the guy that comes and catches balls from him at six in the morning anytime he asks. And that hard work paid off. So um, anyways, credit to the Raiders. I was a lot happier about a Raider win than I normally would be because I did have them plus four. So that was nice. And uh, it ended up being a very, very nice week in the lock shop for the first week of the NFL. So uh, hopefully we can keep it going. But listen, we're going to get to Jets training cap notes in just a sec, Remo. The most interesting thing coming out of last night, Monday night, from a viewing perspective, if you weren't out with a bunch of buddies at at a bar watching the game, was seeing the TSN3 broadcast with the Manning brothers chilling at home, no commentary, talking throughout the game with a number of guests. I know you put in our notes before the show. I mean, is this the future of sports watching? And, you know, many people would say it is. I mean, you see the numbers that, you know, like Steve Dangle was getting watching Leaf games earlier on. There is a market for uh, alternative broadcasts and alternative programming. And I got to tell you, the Manning brothers are just the best. I mean, the the self-depreciating sense of humor that they have, the way they can go back at each other, um, and not to mention the incomparable football knowledge they both have after being NFL quarterbacks for a decade and a half. It was really, really neat. And I think it's only going to get better from here after last night's first broadcast. Yeah, a couple points to touch on uh, the Buffer Bros. One, it's funny to me when... It was Michael Buffer showing up at like the Logan Paul events and all the kids on Twitter are like, wait a second, Bruce Buffer has a brother? <laughs> and I had a good laugh because, you know, to me, um, Bruce Buffer has always been, well, starting out was Michael Buffer's brother, but uh, he's the more prominent guy. Now, um, as far as scripting the game, I mean, yeah, you have Derek Carr going 40 seconds, you know, 40 seconds to get in field goal range. Then, in, you know, to tie it, then in overtime, they get down to the one. Oh, no, there's a, a penalty. They go back. He throws a pick. Then uh, there's another turnover, and the Zay Jones play wearing number seven, and you're like, who the hell is this guy coming out? Uh, wild finish there. And I see uh, Winnipeg Walter in chat says, woke up this morning to see the Raven- to see the Raiders won 27-24 and found out I should have watched the last minute. Wow. Um Oh, yeah. And then the other thing, yeah, about the broadcast. So I tuned in. I saw everyone on my timeline tweeting about it, this Manning Bros broadcast. And I was really, I thought, oh, no, are we going to get this? And thankfully, I do get all the TSNs. And they're using them, you know, very much better than they were when they first introduced five TSNs, actually having different programming. But I agree. I think having um, different, you know, the same broadcast, but an alternative style, I think, is a win. Gives you something to flip back and forth. I enjoyed this in the wild card game when they had the Nickelodeon broadcast, which they are bringing back. But I think alternative broadcast—you're just sitting there with the Manning brothers. Um, you know, they're making—they're making fun of each other. You know, looking at Lamar Jackson and saying, "Hey, you know, we couldn't run that fast." Or Manning 
Peyton Manning, you know, he was, I thought, putting an act on him, you know, putting on that helmet and Eli's like, oh, of course it didn't, <laughs> didn't fit your head. But then I think the most interesting part was bringing in the guests, um, Ray Lewis, Travis Kelsey, and uh, Russell Wilson popping in and, you know, them just watching the game and chilling, hang out, you know, get to hear their thoughts. And I think it's something, you know, you still get to watch the game. Maybe you don't get, you know, that, that detailed commentary on a game that you normally get, but you can flip back and forth. And I think it's maybe not for watching the whole thing, although maybe if you love the Mannings, maybe you would, and you really don't care about the game at all, you would you uh, would just watch what they have to say because, you know, you get maybe gain some insight on football. But I agree. I think we're headed to this. I mean, I'd love to watch a hockey game with, you know, some some hockey guys. You know, Wayne Gretzky's on on TNT right now. They announced their broadcast. Maybe they do something like that. But I, I think we'll see more of this going forward and alternate um, alternate broadcast as far as, you know, the main compared to the main commentary, you know, analysts that we're used to. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, I've got to just give a quick shout out to a few people in chat. I see Paul Adet looking forward to the show today, saying hi to everybody from Vancouver Island. What's up? I see Sandy and G and Tracy O, Dallas, many of our regulars here. Frosty, <laughs> Frosty wondering uh, if we're going to be revealing the new iPhone. You are, in fact, on the wrong channel if you're looking for that. We're still utilizing old, older iPhones. Remus is the tech guy. We can we can get a review from Remo at some point. Don't look to me for any uh, any insight on any of that. Well, the Gitch is in the house, I see. And uh, got to give a shout out to the Puck and Pigskin podcast. What up, PPP? I said, hey, Hustler, I'm here by the recommendation of Rod Peterson. Hot Rod, great friend of our program. He, of course, does his show 11 to 1 Winnipeg time, leading right in here. So, uh, yeah, especially if you're watching Rod on YouTube, you can just basically click over to us as soon as Rod's done and... We get it going here every day, 1 o'clock Central. Uh, and for those listening in the podcast, we try and get it out right after 3 p.m. as soon as we are done. Uh, if you are in the chat, uh, do us a favor. Hit the thumbs up. Always appreciate the likes. And um, that's when you're talking sports with friends. Make sure they know what we're doing here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Amazing to be at the Banjo Bowl, though. And I know, Remo, you weren't at the game. And I meant to say this yesterday. Uh, the amount of people that hollered at me and just mentioned how much they are enjoying the show uh, was unbelievable. It was even better because I was with one of our sponsors, Chris Habit from CoolBet. Um, but it, it, it was just phenomenal. So thank you to everyone that's joining us uh, on the reg. And I know the numbers will continue to go up as we've got Jets hockey just around the corner. Oh, my guy, Todd Fertani's in the chat as well. Todd sweated that out. He's a member of the Raider Nation. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, Remo, if the Raiders actually did lose that game, I was convinced that this was an unbelievable conspiracy to not only have the Raiders blow it, but also not cover the spread. Uh, the way they got it to overtime, it was very possible they could have given up a touchdown in OT and anyone that had the Raiders plus three and a half, plus four, plus four and a half would have lost. It didn't happen. But man, did they make their team sweat their fans sweated out and i got a text from todd late last night saying that uh that was uh <laughs> that one took years years off his life uh anyways great to see everybody in chat right now um and if you are in chat and you watch the manning broadcast or went back and forth it would be interesting uh to get your thoughts on it um of course hockey is just around the corner uh it's been a little bit of a dead zone for hockey talk uh around winnipeg for the last few weeks 
Uh, because to be honest, most of the big topics were solved uh, early on in the off season. So um, that was a good thing. You can only talk about the backup goalie for so long. And I think we're all looking forward to seeing what Eric Comrie can do coming up in training camp in the exhibition season. Um, but the additions to the Jets roster uh, were exactly what we'd be talking about for months going into free agency. And of course they did it through trade. So not a lot of intrigue. It's just time to get things going and things will get going Coming up this week with the rookies coming to town, Remo. And um, kind of late yesterday, just after we finished the program, we got a full rundown from the Winnipeg Jets on uh, when and what is happening as the team gets ready to start playing their preseason games and get ready for this upcoming 82-game grind. Yeah, don't the Jets know that we're on until 1? I felt like we're on until 2, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, sorry, we're on until three. My bad. I my time. I know we're on for two hours, starting at one. My math there is not not great. But don't they know that they should be releasing this news? To, you know, right at the end of our show. But yeah, it was like right after we signed off. I was like, ah, crap. We could have talked about this. But uh, here it is. We do have the mini camp schedule. Thanks to the Jets for putting this on their website. Starting Thursday, they got a practice. Uh, it's all at Iceplex. I and then uh, with like a media, and then Friday, nine a.m. practice. Saturday off-ice workout, and then Sunday. So this is what they're calling a mini-camp. And looking at the roster, I'll bring it up. It is mainly guys, you know, some guys may have an outside shot at the Jets, but I think primarily Moose guys and some young guys. So, you know, the interesting names here in this mini-camp starting Thursday, uh, of course, Vili Hainala. We're all looking forward to seeing if he can crack the Jets lineup. Dylan Sandberg, uh, Dimitri Kuzman, who is a draft pick, from this year, he's in camp. David Gustafson, who many, including Ken Weeb, who will be joined on Thursday, thinks he's going to get a shot. Uh, free agent signing Evgeny Svechnikov. And, of course, Cole Perfetti, who, man, you know, hockey news predicted him for like 40 points. I, <laughs> they gave him a spot on the team. Yeah, they, they said, Cole, you're an NHLer. You're in. They uh, said That he, remains <laughs> to be seen if that will happen anytime soon. Yeah. And. You know, we've talked a lot about Perfetti will be a in, 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 really interesting case. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting to some of this with Paulie Edmonds later on today on the program. In that, I mean, the best thing for the organization, and probably in the long run, the player, um, is this rule that will allow Perfetti, because of how much he played in the American Hockey League last year, to play with the Manitoba Moose. Uh, because at this point, I don't think there's a spot in the top six for Cole Perfetti. I'm not sure he's a guy that, you know, fits in with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp with the way that they're playing. I don't think he would benefit from playing a few minutes a night on a fourth line. So if they didn't change the rule, it was either that or press box duty, practicing with the team, or going back to junior, which I think we'd all agree, not a lot to be gained by Cole Perfetti going back to the Ontario Hockey League. But we all saw the strides that he made playing in the American Hockey League last year. And, you know, if he could go in and have a full season with the Manitoba Moose and potentially be a player that could contribute come playoff time, you know, I think that, you know, both for the player and the organization works very, very well. There's obviously the concern, well, the you have to be um, cognizant of, you know, flipping over the contract and the ELC and all that. But, you know, if later on in the season, it's quite obvious and injuries can happen. I mean, the entire framework and scenarios could be so different in a few months, depending on what happens in the season. I certainly don't think it's out of the question that Cole Perfetti plays in the National Hockey League this year. But that prediction from the hockey news was essentially assuming he's playing 82 games. And I can tell you for certain that, that ain't part of the plan. Yeah, I don't think that's why. Unless he like comes in and absolutely like lights up. Yeah. 
training camp and really makes it tough and proves it. But I, I think they're set on, hey, let's send him to the AHL. If someone gets hurt, then then we can call him up. Another guy, I didn't get to this this name, uh, Christian Veselainen. And it seems like he's been in the organization for a while, but he's only, you know, he drafted 24th overall in 2017, which is four years ago now, but he is only 22 years old. And I really liked his game on the third line in the Edmonton series. Um, we've seen that he has a good shot. He's a bit of a big body, um, you know, with some more growth in his game and a full training camp, a chance to be healthy. And that's what um, the Puck and Pigskin content, or podcast is saying. And it'll be great to see how teams do the season with a full training camp, preseason season, and regular divisions. And I know, I know everyone is operating on the same schedule the last season, but it is a weird season. Maybe, And I think some players would benefit from a full training camp, a full ramp up. And, you know, maybe he's a guy along with David Gustafson. I think those two guys in this mini camp are, you know, the players that have a real shot at making an impact on the, you know, the main Jets club. And now that they have a full, you know, a full go of it here, I think it could benefit, uh, benefit those guys going forward. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and I think hey, there's a reason why they have training camp for the amount of time that they do. I mean, the amount of preseason games, you know, as someone that's bought tickets for however many years, oh. no one likes getting stuck with those preseason games. I mean, with the exception of 2011, when people just wanted to be at that game and it was maybe the most electric preseason game in NHL history here in Winnipeg. You know, most of them are, uh, and I want to say going through the motions, but I mean, it's preparatory. Probably isn't, you know, worth the same ticket as, you know, your, your you know, Montreal Canadiens on a Saturday night. Um, but it's just part of the deal. Uh, but it's also great for these young players. I mean, the veterans, uh, they'll like to get a few games in, but it's the guys that we just talked about from the mini camp, the rookie camp, whatever you want to call it, getting into main camp and getting some opportunity to play against legitimate NHLers. Um, they can be really intriguing for people that are following the club and the huge opportunities for these young players to, you know, in, in limited, limited chances to show that they should stick around a little longer, should get in some more games and try and make decisions difficult for uh, Paul Maurice and his his roster, or his his coaching staff. Now, as far as the, um, the, let's get to the camp for the actual training camp, Reem. Five goalies will be in camp. Connor Hellebuck goes without saying. Eric Comrie, who we've discussed quite uh, at length, uh, is the incumbent to go in and take the spot of Lauren Brassois, who's now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. You've got Mikhail Burden, who uh, played with the Manitoba Moose, and at this point, in all likelihood, is penciled to be playing the majority of the games with Winnipeg's AHL franchise. Then you've got a couple other goaltenders. Philip DeRosier, who was with the Panthers organization last year, but didn't get into a game. And Arvid Holm, who I think could absolutely be in the mix for the Winnipeg Jets in with Manitoba, he played last year in the Swedish league and uh, had a 9-14 save percentage and a 13-10 and record. Uh, later draft pick of the Jets um, in, oh geez, I think I want to say 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to check on that. Um, and then as far as the defense goes, and <laughs> wow, what a difference this makes. The the two big deals, you got Brendan Dillon coming in. You got Nate Schmidt along with Dylan DeMello, Neil Pionk, Josh Morrissey, and Logan Stanley. That is the assumed top six right now, and I would personally be surprised if that wasn't the top six, assuming everyone is healthy for the opening game against the Anaheim Ducks. But here are the other guys that are in the mix, that are in camp, that are trying to get jobs. Sammy Niku, 
Vili Hainala, Nathan Beaulieu, who still does have a contract for this season, of course, Simon Lundmark, Declan Chisholm, and Chisholm's also going to be in the minicamp. He played very well with the Manitoba Moose. Be interesting to see what he can do. Um, Tyler Bauer is on a PTO. He's coming in from the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds last year. I think that's a guy that might be able to earn a spot with the Moose or with the organization if he plays well. Big Dylan Sandberg, 6'4", 216 on the roster. Um, the other player coming out of Manitoba that, you know, presumably we will be potentially first call-ups along with Hanela, uh, depending on what happens with that top six. You've got Dimitri Kuzman, Nelson Noje, Johnny Kovacevic, who also had a real strong year last year with the Manitoba Moose, and Leon Gowanka, who, while he'll likely be a Moose member, is also Remus going to, in all likelihood, be an Olympian representing his native Germany coming up in Beijing. Yeah, we've heard his name uh, for a while. Some of these names, like uh, Declan Chisholm, I remember hearing about him in the OHL, uh, more of an offensive guy. Uh, I hear Dave Manuk of Legal Curve praising Johnny Kovacevic, a uh, big defenseman, um, you know, played it last year with the Moose. You know, him and Logan Stanley uh, played a lot together. That would be a guy you know, who could make an impact with the Moose. Nelson Noje has been in the organization for a long time, Hus. He was on, what, the taxi squad all season. I don't think he got into any games. I do remember Nelson Noje you know, being in after everyone was injured a couple of years ago. And who was he fighting on, uh, on Anaheim? I got some bull, good, uh, bull. Jared, Jared bull and on Columbus. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, there's some names, but I think we, I think the, the top six is pretty set. We'll wait and see where Sammy Niku and Billy Hainala slot. And I think Hainala is going to be starting with the moose. Um, Niku, I think he's kind of stuck where he's been, um, as a depth defenseman and, if there's call-ups, it seems like there's other guys who, who go in ahead of him. So, um, you know, he was on Frank Cervalli's uh, trade list, and maybe, you know, maybe he's still, there's an option to move him if someone else needs a D. But I think he's kind of stuck here in no man's land with the Jets. And you mentioned Nate Beaulieu, who's rocking number 28 after Nate Schmidt down here took number 88. Um, he's still on the club, and, you know, he's a guy that they like, a tough guy. He can drop the gloves and, you know, play, uh, you know, he's playing a, a top pairing role, but he's more of a bottom pairing defenseman. So, but the Jets defense, as you mentioned, all these single digit guys, uh, who do we got? Dylan, sorry, Schmidt, um, you know, much different look. And, uh, where's Logan Stanley? They're still rocking 64. Logan Stanley. No, he said he owned it on this show. You know what? I really like that, like that number. So, uh, <laughs> again, 67 would have been so much better if he was going to have one of those numbers. Uh, but as I said, after the season that he had, I kind of don't blame him. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep on doing what he's doing. He's got a contract and he's going forward. Um, here your four, Here's the forward roster for Winnipeg Jets training camp. 23 individuals competing for spots on the club. Andrew Kopp, Jansen Harkins. Big, big camp and big opportunity for Harkins with the exodus of Trevor Lewis and Nate Thompson, the guys that spent a lot of time, Matthew Perot on that fourth line. Harkins in there, of course, Adam Lowry, mainstay in the middle of line number three, and David Gustafson, who Remus mentioned. Gustafson will get a little bit of extra time in the mini camp, but is a guy that many people think that will be the fourth line center when the puck is dropped in game number one of the season. Newly acquired Riley Nash, we'll get a chance to see him for the first time in Jets colors. Um, you know, he's a bottom six forward, but I guess the big question about Nash is, does he fit well with Lowry and Kopp on the third line in, you know, a primarily a checking role? That will be interesting. 
Uh, so Riley Nash is in there. And Dominic Toninato, another guy that I think could potentially be on that third line. If not, you would think that these guys will be on the fourth line for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Austin Pognanski, a uh, guy that got into five games with the St. Louis Blues last year, signed in the offseason. Mikey Esselmont, uh, I believe the former North Dakota player, was with the Ontario Reign last year in the AHL. He's a new face in Jets camp. The returning Paul Stastny, who signed that one-year deal. Of course, the captain, Blake Wheeler. Nikolai Ehlers, also Olympic-bound after his incredible run with Team Denmark, getting to uh, Beijing in the Olympics for the first time in their nation's history. Uh, you've got Jeff Malott, who has split time between the Moose, mostly with the Moose last year, a couple games with the Florida Everblades. Uh, Luke Johnson, a Grand Forks native, played with the Moose last year. He'll be in training camp. A uh, couple of tryouts for Evan Pole and Harold Egley. Uh, the er, the first and AHL player last year with I1 Cleveland. Uh, the latter, Egley, a Latvian that played 25 games for the Manitoba Moose. Mark Shifley, pretty sure he'll be on the roster. And Evgeny Svechnikov. And Svechnikov, I'll be interested to see Paul Edmonds' take on Svech a little later on in that, you know, he came here, uh, you know, presumably on a PTO, a tryout. He's got the AHL deal, uh, but we'll have the opportunity, I would think, to earn an NHL contract, but it might need to be signed after that first game due to some cap implications. CJ Cease has been a mainstay for the Moose the last couple seasons. He'll be back. Of course, Pierre-Luc Dubois with his new number, number 80, uh, will be there. Kyle Connor, number 81. Christian Reichel in there, Cole Perfetti, and Christian Veselainen round it out. Primo, um, we pretty much know the guys that will be in the top six. To me, the interesting battles are going to be, as they often are in NHL training camps, uh, for positions in that bottom six uh, amongst the forward group. But well, with the number of players, you know, with a lot of opportunity that maybe wasn't there in the past because of some of the other veterans that had signed by the club. Seems like the door is wide open for some of these young players to step into roles that maybe they'd hoped they'd had earlier. Now their chance is there to take them. Yeah, exiting the team, you have Matthew Perot, Trevor Lewis, um, Nate Thompson. So that's, I mean, that's your whole uh, bottom line. And then um, Mason Appleton in the expansion draft. So that's four spots right there you need to fill. It seems like they're ready to be filled internally by Christian Veselainen. Um, sorry, they brought in Riley Nash and David Gustafson. Maybe there's one more spot there. Um, Jan- could be Jansen Harkins' spot. Uh, he's been been around for a while, played some games last year. I don't know about, um, I'm not too familiar with Austin Pognanski, Hus, but I know that he's from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Yet another one of the uh, we call the Minnesota Mafia that seems to be all over. You see a lot of guys from Minnesota on this uh, Jets roster. Another Minnesota guy, CJ Cease, who's been with the organization for a while. I mean, could he make an impact? I know he's had trouble staying healthy, but he's played a couple games here, mostly with the Moose, but also stepped in uh, with the Jets uh, a couple times. Uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois one we're all going to be watching. He's looking to have a bounce-back season. He's in a contract year as well, RFA after this season. And he was in Toronto. I guess there's some NHLPA media tour talking about how he did request a trade and wanted to stay silent, didn't want to make too much noise, did the you know the silent uh, trade request him and his agent, didn't really answer any questions as to why. It reminded me of uh, when they asked Jerry Seinfeld uh, if he wanted you know some of the what food from Poppy. I don't know if you remember that Seinfeld. They just shake their head no. <laughs> um, so I think that's a guy who's, 
looking to have a big bounce back season. They're going to need it if they want to go far. You know, here looked uh, traded for Patrick Linen. He's always going to have that uh, that designation. Yeah, well, and, and you know, it's one thing to get traded for Line A, but the other part was that just the season didn't go well uh, for for Dubois. I mean, you know, we can say it was the quarantine, it was being traded mid season, the weirdness of everything. All of that may or may not be true. We'll find out this year uh, because full off season familiarity with the organization, opportunity to come in with a clean slate, a fresh start to be uh, a big part of that Jets top six if it goes well. Well, I mean, that's exactly what the Jets are hoping for, and that's why they made that trade originally. Um, if it doesn't, it does create some interesting decisions, big picture for the organization long-term as to what you do with that contract, um, as well as the second-line center position that I think they really thought that they had taken care of, albeit at a high, high price when uh, when Patrick Laine was, uh, was dealt. Going forward past this season, though, I mean, is Cole Perfetti ready to take that spot? Is he going to be in the mix? I mean, maybe that's an asset that goes differently. But again, those are conversations for down the road. I think everyone hopes that Dubois will come in and turn into that player that we saw, uh, you know, starring for the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Leafs in the playoffs a few years ago. And it's also important to remember, he's still a very, very young player. Um, So, but Dubois, certainly with the spotlight on him. And I did see, I think, GM Carp saying Niku is going to be gone. To be honest, I don't think he will be. And a big part of that is his salary. He's making $750,000. I mean, if he's on the roster and even if he's in the press box, I mean, at the end of next season, yeah, probably. But for this year right now, um, I don't think the team would have any hesitation to keep him on the roster and have Sammy practice at the club and be a guy that you might need to play at some point uh, because I think the priority is Billy Hainel playing a lot, Dylan Sandberg playing a lot, Kovacevic, Chisholm, all those guys playing big minutes on the Manitoba blue line. And if you replace Nico on the roster, you get rid of him. You still need somebody that's in there, you know, at the league minimum because of where they are with their cap. So all of that, very interesting to talk about. Uh, we will have a lot more hockey talk and Jets talk come training camp a little bit later on the program with the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Paul Edmonds. Andy McNamara is coming on in just a second with us. Before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to all of us, some of our sponsors, including Manitoba Battery, our newest sponsor, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue. You can give them a call at 783-8787. They are the battery guys for everything. Automotive, industrial, farm, motorsports, uh, UPS backup supply batteries, MetaChair batteries. They've got it all. Uh, cheaper than Costco and the big box stores, and they'll also deliver it directly to your home. You don't even have to leave. Now, you know, you, it's a good time to be proactive with batteries. Um, I don't want to freak anybody out, but it's going to get cold around here relatively soon. Well, hopefully not that soon. Uh, much better to be ready for it than dealing with it when there's a line outside and everyone needs a battery because it got to minus 30. The other thing you'll want to know right now, great September special. It's the maintainer for your battery for the winter. $20 special this year, you, you, this week, this month. You'll get it. You stick it on the battery for your summer car, uh, your boat, your camper, and it intermittently charges it throughout the winter when it needs it. So it is ready to go coming up next year. Um, hit them up, 783-8787. Tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. It's Manitoba Battery and everything available right now. You can find out online at manitobabattery.com. Um of course, our friends over at Not Auto Corp, uh, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? They're at Waverly McGillivray. They're online at not.ca. And 
They're just opening up now the Winnipeg Car Lab. If you're thinking about getting graphics done, if you need a wrap for a vehicle, if you need rims, all of that's happening over at the Winnipeg Car Lab. Follow them on Instagram and the other social media feeds. They've got a great contest. Have a Tesla for a weekend and much more. That's all at the new Winnipeg Car Lab over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. And uh, uh, the Raider Nation must be fired up after last night's game. I'm sure you can head over to uh, Royal Sports and get your silver and black now that at least you know you got one win on the season. Uh, I joke, though, the NFL merch at Royal is amazing. New stuff coming in all the time. Uh, so whether you're a Bomber fan, a Jet fan, a uh, fan of one of the NFL teams, the Blue Jays, they've got the best selection of merchandise hands down anywhere in Manitoba and have been doing it for over 35 years. Uh, and of course, if you're a hockey player, you already know about Royal Sports. But when it comes to the million-dollar stick inventory, skates, goaltending equipment, it is the number one hockey superstore in Winnipeg for over 35 years. Family owned by our great friends Greg and Gerald Hasbeek. Pop down and see him. 750 Pemina Highway alongside King Skatestone Surf. It is Royal Sports. All right, let's talk some NFL. Jets talk a little later on with Paul Edmonds. Uh, a little bit more on the Bombers as they get ready for the Edmonton Elks later on. But right now, we bring in Andy McNamara of Rogers Sportsnet, our great friend, to discuss week one in the National Football League and hopefully help you hit that waiver wire this weekend for your fantasy team. Andy, what's good? What'd you think of that crazy Monday nighter last Ooh, night? Hustler, hustler. Man, what a week one. We started with a bang and it finished with a bang. That was Awesome, because especially when the Raiders, that touchdown, it looked like it was over. Everyone out on the field, it's like, and then they pulled it back. And, and I just thought, okay, well, this is how it goes for the Raiders, right? So close, and then that's it. I'm, ah, okay. And they win. I, I, unbelievable. Like, Derek Carr balled out and was clutched. He was more clutched than Lamar Jackson, and he was more clutched than my Baker Mayfield. On the weekend. I got to say that. But we'll man, get, we'll like, get to Baker in a minute. We'll get to Baker in a minute. You know that I'm not letting that one pass I after know. a big head-to-head matchup. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it almost was the most vintage Raider loss ever. And, and it, to be honest, as a rival of the Raiders, to think about the way they almost blew the first, like the legit home opener in that yep. stadium with the full stadium, with the full crowd. I mean, would have been magical if you hate the Raiders. Um, <laughs> yes. But honestly, I think they deserved. I mean, they showed a lot in coming back in that game last night. Down 14. Um, I got a soft spot for Carr. I think he's dealt with some pretty difficult situations over the years. And um, he stepped up big time last night. Had a monster game. Um, but, man, I mean, the, the, the pick off the guy's helmet on the goal line after the rookie tackle backs them up from the one-yard line where they just need to get in and it is over um, was, was simply incredible. And then the Ravens getting it, getting the thing and thinking that it's basically over. One play, a bomb field goal, we're going to overtime. I mean, it had something. I, I joked earlier that, you know, for everyone that thinks that or says that the NFL is fixed sometimes – well, look at last night's game. Viz McMahon could not have written a better no. script for the first Raider win at home. And uh, what just an incredible way to finish up the uh, the first week. Let me ask you this. Did you watch, uh, when Rebus and I were talking about this at the start of the program, uh, did you watch Peyton and Eli do their thing on uh, on the, uh, the the supplementary broadcast last night? It was pretty oh, wild. Yeah. 
You know what? I, saw, I caught some clips. I wasn't able to. I was I was working on Sportsnet, so I was I was preoccupied. So I couldn't I couldn't dive in, but I was seeing it all over social media. So I want to catch the next one. It sounds like it was tremendous, and well, you know those two together are great. Well, they're hilarious. I mean, they have a great sense of humor. Um, they get it, and yeah. they have fun poking fun at themselves, poking fun at each other. And uh, I mean, they had a pretty incredible run of guests. I mean, uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, and shout out to Barkley. Uh, you know, Barkley said some controversial things in the day. He's been very uh, vocal, encouraging people to um, listen to doctors and scientists and get vaccinated and go forward. And there he was wearing a Carl Nassib jersey, who was a big star last night. And I have to say, one of the great things about last night, too, is that Carl Nassib uh, coming out in the offseason wasn't something that the entire broadcast was about. It got a mention in the third quarter, and the next thing he did was get to the quarterback yeah. and, and make a big play. So um, it's nice that that isn't such a big deal, uh, getting some support going forward. But overall, I mean, it really was fun. And the look on Peyton's face, if you were watching it, when that pick happened, um, you could feel like it was uh, eating his guts out, knowing <laughs> that it was sort of pulling for uh, for Carr. Um so it had a little bit of everything. I mean, an incredible Thursday nighter to start off week oh, one, yeah. incredible Monday nighter to finish off week one. As I said, Vince couldn't have scripted it any better, but uh, overall, the NFL is back. Now, we'll get to some fantasy stuff in a few minutes. Let's talk about the game that we both were most oh. invested in. Chiefs-Browns, I'm going to give your guys a lot of credit. That is a hell of a football team, Andy. But it goes to show you have to be at your best for a full 60 minutes if can't you want to go into Arrowhead Stadium and beat Patrick Mahomes. That's it, Huss. You, you can't make a mistake, right? And and what do we say? In the wrestling business, in sports, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And you can come close. You can get a lot of two counts, a lot of near falls. But until those shoulders are pinned for three, it's not over. And I thought Baker Mayfield was as crisp, as efficient, and, and as, as looking as much as a number one overall pick that he ever has in his whole career. It was great. Um, in the end, it just proved one little mistake too many. Like Nick Chubb, all the pieces hustler are were, were, were great. Nick Chubb was tremendous, but he made a fumble, right? Uh, Johnson, the, the safety, had a great game, except turned the wrong way one time, and Tyreek burned you. And then Baker, going to throw it away, has his foot tugged at the last minute, and it falls forward, and he gets intercepted at the end. Like, it's just... You cannot do those self-imposed mistakes against the Chiefs because they do not make mistakes. And if you do, they will capitalize. And that's what happened. It, it was, a, I think at the very least, the Browns showed they can hang with anybody. And I want to see them stomp a absolute mud hole in the Houston Texans and to Rod Taylor this Sunday. I haven't looked at a line on that, but I will be, uh, I will be laying it. I will be laying it. I, I think that, well, it's over listen, 12. I'm not going to sit here and lie to anyone and say that I saw even one play of the Houston Jacksonville game no. on while there was a bunch of other legitimate NFL teams playing. Uh, but it was a bit of an eye opener. First of all, it was insane to have a one in 15 with a rookie quarterback favored by more than a field goal on the road. Um, that being said, I didn't want any piece of the Texans. So it was just a, uh, let me know what happens. We won't be watching it. Um, but Cleveland will be looking to get back to one and one. I think they'll do it. But I think, um, listen, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that one-two punch of the running game. Um, and listen, I don't think that the Chiefs are anywhere near maybe the Bucks when it comes to run defense. 
But that team and those two individuals and that Browns offensive line is going to be a problem going forward, even though uh, they didn't have a great second half when the Chiefs sort of stepped up defensively and stopped them from having their way every time they put it into Chubb's hands. Yeah, and and that's it, right? And that's why the Chiefs have been in those clutch situations before more often. They've got to the dance. They've won it all, right? So this is going to be, I think, the next test, the next big game that Baker and this offense come into. Um, How have you learned from those past two games? against Kansas City when the brights are light when the noise is loud how do you respond because if you take the next step in the next big game you win then you're taking steps you're taking you're making progress um I just have a feeling Huss that maybe come come January at some point these two teams might meet again and well absolutely I think a playoff date and a rematch is absolutely in the cards and um hey Chiefs got one over on them in the playoffs last year they got one over them now but you know, much like that used to happen to Kansas City with some other teams, especially in Foxborough. I mean, at a certain point, you know, you you slay the beast and uh, we'll see. Although it would be a lot more comforting to fans of other AFC teams if Patrick Mahomes was 34 and not 24 yeah. or 25 years old. That's the, uh, yeah. the, the one key caveat. Hey, yeah. listen, just stepping away, and I've seen people talking about this in the chat, uh, some horrible breaking news. Canadian... Comedian Norm Macdonald has passed away oh. after a long and private battle with cancer. Uh, the influential comedian and former SNL Weekend Update anchor was 61, and um, seeing everybody in the chat talking about oh. it. I mean, he was uh, love Norm. Uh, he was a, a one of a kind, Andy. I mean, a guy that had such a a unique way, uh, a unique brilliance about his comedy that was respected by so many in the industry, but um, you know, also was uh, you know a household name here in Canada after yeah. so much that he'd done, and and a big fan of the Winnipeg Jets too. I saw Remus was mentioning in the chat that he went and saw him at the Burton Cummings. Uh, a good friend of ours that used to work at our old spot was involved in putting that on, and Norm was such a quiet and unassuming dude. That when he came here, he sort of started to hang out with this guy and would take him around. And, you know, they got to be real good buds. They'd go down to Vegas and Norm would hook, hook up with the guys. And uh, I know Rick Ralph went down with, you know, a bunch of, you know, this guy and a bunch of other friends. And lo and behold, they're at Vegas just hanging out with Norm McDonald. Wow. Said, just a down-to-earth, amazing dude. But, uh, you know, an incredibly unique, sharp, biting wit that uh, you can't have. Uh, oh, man, that's uh, I know a lot of that's people are sad. upset about it. That, that was oh. just like a sucker punch in the middle of the show. That's I, – I love – and you're right. It was a unique sense of humor. It was very dry. And it was very – like you had to you had to Sahara Desert dry. Right? Like, <laughs> but that was the brilliance of Norm to me. Like Because it wasn't your typical weekend update on – uh, on Saturday Night Live, where it was, you know, you go for the cheap pop punchline, whatever, and you know what's coming. Like, Norm would go, and he didn't care if it bombed, and he just, like, waited and paused. And if you got it, if you understood, then you just waited a second, and then you burst out laughing, and it was the funniest bleep that you heard that week. That's that's a shame. That's too yeah, bad. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get Remus. Oh, I, Remus. I, I'm, I'm actually pretty uh, pretty gutted uh, from this, pretty rattled. Saw him twice in Winnipeg. You know, huge fan of the weekend update. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's tough. a tough one. That's a tough one. Go on YouTube, search for, uh, you know, the whole weekend update stuff. You know, Dirty Work, legendary film. Oh, I got to rewatch that. His, yeah. his stand-up on, um, on Netflix, they got an, it's a few years old now, but his last stand-up special was hilarious. Yeah. Also, as you mentioned, like huge sports fan. He had a sports show before. Um, 
Big golf guy, I think. Yeah, right? but yeah, oh, he always tw- like live tweet, live like tweet golf. every yeah, putt yeah. from the golf. Uh, uh, yeah. and uh, and you know, ever since his uh, time here in Winnipeg, was always repping the Jets. Yes, I mean, he you'd see him, he'd have a Jets hat on or a Jets hoodie on, and we go, ah, Norm McDonald, big Jets yeah. guy. So, um, yeah, that that is really, and I will say this: nobody in pop culture stuck it to OJ Simpson more than Norm McDonald after OJ got away with murder. I will, I will say that without a doubt. Um, so uh, oh, we'll get some more thoughts on, on this a little bit later on uh, from, uh, from Remus when uh, we finish up with Andy, of course, Paul Edmonds coming up with some jets talk, getting ahead to training camp a little bit later on. Andy, before we get to fantasy, I want your thoughts on a couple of the other big games. The Steelers coming in and stunning the Bills Mafia. I know you're in Bills country. Yeah. Uh, probably a lot of Bills fans. That I, I don't. I think they're still confident about their squad, but that was a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of people that thought that they were just going to roll to the AFC Championship for another shot at the Chiefs. I, I kind of did as well. Right? Like I thought, okay, Pittsburgh, like let's first say Ben Roethlisberger, his, that, that arm's gone. It's, you know, for how big and how powerful he was, it's, He's done, but that defense is still formidable. And maybe it was the Bills thinking they'd roll in because they got, they started well. And then you let Pittsburgh to come back. I hope for Bills Mafia's sake, for that team's sake, um, just for how exciting that offense can be fantasy and real life wise, that that gives their head a shake and they get back on track because you cannot be going how you did. And I thought they got away from their game plan. Not to say they were ever super run heavy anyway. But you have to mix in the run sometime. Like you benched Zach Moss, which was weird. Um, you had Breda, you had Singletary. Like work the running game in a bit more, and not just for Josh Allen. Like work it in. These are our competent backs. They're no Chubb and Hunt, but they're they're competent backs. And if you work it in the game plan, you can do that. And it just seemed like they became very one dimensional, and that Pittsburgh was able to just figure them out on the fly, which was uh, pretty frustrating. I uh, you know from a from Bill's fans' perspective being in this area, uh, but also from a Brown standpoint, I want them to lose. And and then the Bengals won too, which I'm not too concerned about them, but still. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh, after all the doom and gloom of last season, wakes up 1-0 and and everyone else 0-1 and uh, things are back to normal in the uh, AFC North. I do for expect now. that will change going <laughs> forward. Yes, for now, exactly. I won't stick it too hard for you. You guys had a tough, <laughs> tough road one uh, week tough. one matchup yeah. on the road. Um, there were some incredible fantasy performances and some unexpected ones. I'm big on Kyler Murray. I mean, I know that he's going to be, you know, a guy that'll be in the top five quarterbacks probably at the end of the year but I didn't expect that on the weekend in Tennessee. And I'll tell you what, if you told me one quarterback was going to throw for 133 yards and throw two picks and the other guy would throw five touchdowns and it was Jameis Winston in his first start for the Saints against the great Aaron Rodgers, you know where the money would have been. That was a stunning, stunning game and has massive ramifications for both teams and certainly some fantasy ramifications as well. Although, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone, if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner, you just keep going back. This would, you have to give the guys a mulligan. But uh, for yeah. if you're a Packer fan, wondering like, this is the way we started after that miserable offseason? Yikes. Well, the thing with Aaron Rodgers, yeah, runs his mouth, complains, rightfully or not. You know, right now we're not inside the building. Maybe the front office of the Packers really does suck and, and, and they're not, they're not easy to get along with. I don't know. 
But for all the complaining, for all the holding out, for all the what ifs, you come back with that? That's what you come back with? Like that's that's absolutely embarrassing. And on the other side, good on Jameis Winston. Man, like that dude, we were all wondering, right? How's before the season? It was like, well, he got laser eye surgery. Ha ha, a couple of years ago. Did he drink stuff in from Drew Brees? And then even post-game, him sort of like quoting what he was learning from Drew. It, it seems like this guy drunk it all in and is now processing it. And it's one game, but you're processing that with Jameis Winston. I'll tell you this. I know myself included. Um, I put a couple fab dollars in to get Jameis Winston on my fantasy team, as a, a, even if it's a bit of a backup or some trade depth for later, because that did not seem fluky to me. That seems like the Saints have got their guy potentially uh, figured out. We'll, we'll see in a couple games, but Jameis Winston looked look, probably the best he's ever had in his career when it came to decision-making and execution. Did, uh, did you see that interview with Jameis after the game? They asked him, they said, so Jameis, tell us about, you know, being the starting quarterback and being the being prepared. And he said, and I will paraphrase this a little bit, but the clip's everywhere. I think I retweeted it out. He goes, well, you know, we had to be prepared. It was just like my trainer said about preparation. What what did he say again? Like he just told us to be prepared. I mean, it was the best comedy, speaking <laughs> of comedy, as we've saying. I mean, it, and it's and it's natural. But I'll tell you what, what, what Jameis Wilson also has, awareness sometimes not there. I mean, that's how you mm-hmm. become the first 30 for 30 quarterback uh, of all time. Yep. But the dude's got a million-dollar rifle, and that's why he was the number one pick. Mm-hmm. And maybe, just maybe, under um, Sean Payton, this move from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston might actually be an improvement from last year. And Brees said as much on Sunday Night Football this weekend. Well, and, and that's the thing. If, at least week one, it looks like he he drew and concentrated and learned from Drew Brees. Because like you said, the talent's there. The raw athleticism has always been there. That's why you're the first overall pick. But how do you harness it and progress? And that last year was a golden opportunity, just like Teddy Bridgewater a couple of years ago took that opportunity, learned, and has progressed since then. Jameis Winston has now taken that and – if he continues to go similar to this and continues to make smart decisions and not get crazy and turn the ball over when it's a close game, Huss, that's what we really need to see. When it's close, when the game is within like three points and late, yet people have a tendency to revert back to old patterns. If, if we see Jameis Winston make smarter decisions in true crunch time, not in blowout situations, then I believe we'll truly see that he has changed. But to start the year, man, um, just, just a, a fascinating piece with not a whole lot when you take away Michael Thomas outside of Alvin Kamara as true weapons around him either. Now, Andy, let's talk fantasy for a minute. Your new piece is up at sportsnet.ca. This is a very important week for yeah. fantasy owners when it comes to the waiver wire. And it's important to know if you're in most leagues, everyone gets $100. You've got your budget. Use it however you want. Uh, but sometimes you've got major needs. For instance, one of my teams, I had Gus Edwards mm. and Raheem Mostert. An absolute train wreck. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to salvage a season after week one here, Andy. Right off the bat, let's talk about this. Uh, what's his name again? Eli. Oh, yeah, Eli Mitchell. Yeah. Because um, by the way, the big shocker was that Trey Sermon was inactive. 
Where did I that mean, come everyone, from? There were guys in drafts I was in picking Sermon ahead of Raheem Mostert. And who knows? Down the road, maybe that makes sense. Certainly didn't at the start of the year. Uh, you would think that Sermon, you know, might get an opportunity to shine now that Mostert's out for potential. What are we hearing? Like eight weeks? Maybe? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Not With a knee injury, right? Now, like this is a group that ha- I mean, they will always go running back by committee for the most part. But it seemed like he was going to be the guy. Um, Eli Mitchell was the guy. I didn't know much about him, uh, but there he is, the former Louisiana Raging Cajun that had 104 yards, had a touchdown. I would imagine he will be the most in-demand player on the waiver wire this week. Andy, if you're me and you're screwed and you need to get him, how much of your 100 bucks are you putting on Eli Mitchell? It's always... It's always tricky, and I've developed over the years, Huss, a mentality of don't don't focus on the when in the season. Focus on the uh, when the opportunity presents itself. So you don't want to blow the whole hundred bucks in we in the first quarter of the season. But at the same point, if you have a dying need, which many people do, just from pure scarcity to begin with at the running back position as true RB ones or true fantasy producers, you have to strike when the opportunity comes up, and they do not come up that often. Within a season. So, yeah, to go back, that was that was a shocking development. We heard nothing throughout camp that anything was wrong with Trey Sermon. And then Kyle Shannon's like, yeah, it didn't have a great camp. It's like, well, that would have been useful, Kyle. Would have been useful information <laughs> a few weeks ago, guy. They didn't tell anybody. All of a sudden, sixth-round rookie, Elijah Mitchell, pops out of nowhere. The dude runs wild. So now what do we have? We got Eli Mitchell. Mostert's out for at least two months. Um, Jamaica uh, Hasty who vultured a touchdown at the one. And was this a message sent to Trey Sermon? And now he'll get a chance to come back. Is this a, a, a true reflection? Like they spend a lot of draft capital on him. It's a decent draft pick. So even if it is still committee wise, which as you said, we should expect that out of the 49ers. I at least believe when you see what Eli Mitchell did, that guy is going to get the first crack to get at it. So I would not be afraid in especially your situation where you're running back desperate, you got to kind of go a little heavy. Like, you know, I, I won't tell you the the amount to put in specifically, but I think you got to be pretty aggressive because you have to look around your league as well. I'm sure a lot of people are going to have the eyeballs on Eli Mitchell because after that, really the, one of the other pickups I like um, from a handcuff perspective, Tony Jones Jr. Uh, with the Saints, but that's project. That's if something goes wrong with Alvin Kamara. Eli Mitchell can help you today and moving forward. Um, if, if you're in the market for a tight end, um, and I think there'd be some people like at a couple of teams that had Mike Gusecki and I was pretty yeah. confident that Gusecki would be good. It's not like I'm going to drop him, but man, you get a big fat zero in that column. And, you know, maybe if you're unlucky enough to go against Waller or Kelsey, it's a pretty much sure loss. Yeah. Um, any tight ends that have some value that might be able to uh, be acquired, not for Eli Mitchell money, but for something yeah. a little more reasonable? Yeah, and, and this is why the strategy, we talked about it on this show, Huss. This is why I say to people, don't neglect the tight end, because otherwise you will be in this exact situation all year long, streaming, waiting, who am I picking up? Who, who is it? And you're guessing the whole way. I hate guessing. So I go early on tight end. But if you didn't listen to me again, that's on you, but we're still here to help. <laughs> okay, so I'll still help you. Just listen to me next time. <laughs> so some guys you want to take a look at. It's about, all right, who uh, you're going to have to probably try to go the tight end um, TD dependent route here. 
All right. So early guys I, I talked about who are still widely available. I like Moali Cox out of uh, out of Indy. You know, that's something to keep an eye on. Jared Cook with the Chargers as far as um, touchdown dependent. That's going to be somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Adam Troutman, I'm not sure what his percentage ownership is. Um, I, I, I They were pretty high on him. That's that's a bit of a projection, but I wouldn't mind getting my hands on him. The problem is, Hus, you're you're guessing. Like even with the Browns, like David Njoko had a nice game, but Austin Hooper had a few catches, so that they kind of siphon off of each other. Like there's there's a lot of committee situations here, so those are a few names to to take a look at and just be like, all right, um, where do I see that projection? I I, I truly believe still uh, that Mo Ali Cox is one of the better bets. You know the the one guy, and I'll, I'll be honest. No idea who he is, but I'm looking at what the numbers that were put up in standard leagues and Juwan Johnson of New Mm. Orleans, not Adam Troutman, was the guy that got into the end zone that got a little bit more work. I mean, uh, is he a guy that if you're in a really depleted tight end situation, I mean, honestly, at this point, if you don't have one of those big guys, I'm of the mind Get a couple guys. Use a bench spot or two for an extra tight end. Try and play some matchups. Uh, because if you're just taking one of these second or third tier tight ends and you're going to play them every week, you're going to be at a pretty big, big disadvantage. The one way you might be able to salvage things is to, well, do some good GMing and play guys in some good spots and hopefully get lucky that way. Yeah, double up uh, off the waiver wire. But yeah, like, like so to your example, for Johnson, um, I still like Troutman as the better season-long play, um, but he's a rookie. And we see, depending on how rookie tight ends are deployed and the assignments given to them, are they made to block more? Are they allowed to run free a little bit? That's what we have to see develop. I still feel Troutman is the longer-term play, but short-term, could it be Johnson? Sure it could. Or it could be a committee and neither work out, right? Or it could be back and forth. So we're really looking at who, who could score. And so I think it's Troutman, Johnson, like you said, and then you move on to the the other ones that I mentioned um, prior. But you really want to try to look at ones that at least if you get a touchdown, you know they're going to have enough catches to, um, to in, in PPR to make your day okay. That's why I keep going back to Jared Cook, who he caught, you know, he can catch anywhere between eight and ten touchdowns a year and, and not do much else. But if he catches a touchdown, you're at least getting into double digits. That's the guessing point where we're at right now. And that's what's scary. Again, if, if – that's why try to get one of those tight ends. But to your point, if not get a couple, let go of that fifth wide receiver that, you know, you're never going to use. I know when you draft, you want to fall in love. You're like, I'm a smart GM. I want to hold on. Gotta let go. Don't be proud. Don't be proud. Proud loses. Pride loses fantasy championships. Don't be proud. Drop one of those extra guys that you know you're not going to use. Pick up an extra tight end, at least for bye week and, and mix and match that way. That's what you're going to have to do at this point. Andy McNamara is with us, uh, breaking down the NFL week, heading into week two, and of course, discussing the fantasy football waiver wire. A couple other guys you have in the article, um, Marvin Jones Jr. from the Jags, and I'll throw in O'Shaughnessy from the Jags too. I did see he had eight targets. He had six catches, 48 yards. That's a guy I'm thinking of, especially if you're in a PPR format. Um, My one takeaway from the Jags game, and again, I didn't watch it, went back, caught some highlights. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to be throwing a ton this year. I think they're going to be down a lot. I think yeah. there's going to be a great potential for a lot of garbage time, and that means good things for the fantasy players on that team. LeVictor Chenault Jr., maybe not so much the running game. 
did not a lot from James Robinson on the weekend. No. But Marvin Jones Jr., another guy that you have in the article that um, was quite busy on the weekend and is available in quite a few leagues. Yeah, uh, him and LaVisca Cheneau, uh tied for the second most targets at nine each. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 51 times. <laughs> 51 times. First game in the league. Welcome First to the NFL. First game in the league. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. Herb Meyer said, we can't be throwing it. It's like, okay, well, you, you might not want to throw, but if your defense makes you down, you might have to throw. So we're downgrading James Robinson. Carlos Hyde, remember he's Herb's boy back in the Ohio State days, so he's going to get mixed in a little bit, and how does that work out? Um, but, yeah, I love Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, he's my sleeper pick in my Sportsnet Fantasy rankings article before the year started. And the reason is young quarterbacks love the veteran. They love the sure thing, the sticky finger guy. You're in trouble. You look, you know, you can get it to player X and you're going to be okay. Marvin Jones Jr. Is that guy scored a touchdown was a WR 18 last year. I keep screaming that to people. People forget. Nobody wants to talk about Marvin Jones Jr. The guy's pretty good. And in this role, he is going to be a WR three or flex spot guy with WR two upside. Each and every week in, on this bad team with garbage points. It might take you to the end of the fourth quarter to get all those points. But in the end, based on volume, I think you're going to be great right behind Shark and LaVisca Chanel. I still feel is going to be a little bit inconsistent when it comes to trusting what he's going to be able to do because he is kind of that gadget guy. But yeah, you mix in O'Shaughnessy as well um, at tight end. That's another guy. Hey, you know, if he's there, grab him. Why not? Uh, but Marvin Jones Jr. I love is that veteran presence who's that go-to for Trevor Lawrence, at least early on. Uh, Andy, uh, anyone else that just sort of stood out? They're probably on rosters. We had a big rookie class that came in. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I wasn't expecting much from Jamar Chase. I thought he was really good. I thought Waddle on Miami was very dynamic and yeah. added a whole new look to that Dolphins offense, which was big for Tua in that big win over the Patriots. Um, just uh, any other observations of some guys uh, from a fantasy perspective that you uh, are much higher on as we speak today than you were last week going into week one? Well, yeah, a surprise to me was was right from the Cleveland Browns, uh, Anthony Schwartz, rookie, track and field star, Olympic speed, folks, like like legit, like like a 4-2 sprinter. Actually, my guy, Eric Metcalf, who I've done a lot of work with on the uh, UFF sports side, um, he helped train him in high school. Uh, and, and he told me, he's like, Andy, man, he's like this, this guy's legit. And he's not just a runner who can go fast. He can catch the football. Odell Beckham Jr. was a last-second scratch last week coming off of the ACL. They put Schwartz in what would have been his role. They were zipping him downfield. He went for an end around for 17 yards. Big chunk gains. We won't know OBJ status uh, likely until game day again versus Houston. But Anthony Schwartz, who is available in 99% of Yahoo leagues, he's there. You can get him. That's somebody, Huss, that I want to have on my bench with flex appeal this week against Houston if OBJ sits. And if any injuries come back, it's proven somebody that they can go to, and there's and he's just that type of dynamic field stretcher that the Browns have not had. So Anthony Schwartz, somebody to look at if you want some wide receiver help. Andy, this has uh, been awesome. Uh, again, the article is up right now at sportsnet.ca. Uh, what do you have coming up before we get to kick off on Sunday? And, of course, we do have a Thursday nighter between the yeah. WFT. Ryan Fitzpatrick out for probably six, eight weeks minimum. 
Taylor Heineke, the yeah. uh, the new guy. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm actually pretty high on Heineke. I like Heineke. Uh, he almost beat Tom Brady in the playoffs last year. I mean, yeah. I mean that was a yeah. that's a good one two punch if Fitz isn't going to be there and a big opportunity for him to come in. I do like Washington on the weekend, but uh, what's coming up this week and uh, any other further thoughts before we say adieu? Well, yeah, we're going to have on the fantasy show every Sunday morning across the Sportsnet Radio Network, 8 a.m. Uh, ET, Eastern Time. Uh, we go through each and every game. The start sits for each and every game of the week, of the slate. We answer your questions on Twitter at AndyMCD1, text line and all that. Uh, we're also going to have – I also have the Fantasy Minute every day on Twitter and on Instagram at Sports on IG uh, that give – waiver wire pickup starts it's for the different matchups so keep an eye there and Huss, when it gets a little bit closer come off Octo- end of october a little tease for you in the uff sports stuff i told you the american uh football legends league afll i'm hosting a live event franchise sale from the pro football hall of fame in canton ohio so get ready for that please tell me you're doing it around a browns home game and you're going to be able to get down there to well, uh, get to a game let, let, let's say, Huss, uh, you know, I planned the, the auction for a Friday. Maybe the Browns play the Denver Broncos on the Thursday night. It might have worked out that way. I don't know. Good. Well, hopefully you'll be there to see a win. Always yeah. like seeing my fellow AFC West rivals take an L. Yeah. Uh, Andy, this was awesome as always. Thanks for doing this, dude. And uh, oh. enjoy week number two. Going to be hard to beat after that insane week one in the NFL. Lots of Browns get a W. I don't care how it goes. But yeah, Huss, always a pleasure, man. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. Right on, dude. Thanks so much. There he is, Andy Mack. Uh, give him a follow at AndyMC81 on Twitter. And uh, AndyMack81 is his Instagram. Uh, you can get it linked through there. But uh, Fantasy Minute every day. And uh, the energy, I always joke that Andy hits the smelling salts hard before he comes on with us because nobody has the energy and uh, Jeff Kabilis, he knows what's up. Andy Mack, always an interesting interview. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to have Paul Edmonds. We are getting to some Jets talk. Training camp is just around the corner. Voice of the Jets, Paul Edmonds, coming up in about five minutes on the program. Uh, do want to thank our great friends at Little Brown Jug for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know, the days of drinking those cold 1919s or the summer lager or the Hefeweizen on the dock might be done for the summer. But I'll tell you what, we are into football season. Few things go better with football than 1919. We've got those special pride cans. If you'd like to support the cause, available at the tap room or online at Little Brown Jug. Rainbow can, really cool looking. And a dollar from every can goes to charity. You can pick those up at the tap room, as we mentioned, or online, littlebrownjug.ca. Order by two, same next day delivery anywhere in the city. Um, and of course they've got lots of other things going on. They did the big pride patio event as well. You can check their coming events online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, but pick it up, hoist a 1919 available at fine restaurants and bars throughout the city and also available, including that summer variety pack that is still there at your favorite local bottle shop. Um, big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg sports talk since day one. Uh, if you've got a party or an event, Nothing better to add to the menu than a DQ cake. Order online at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it all done, have it simple and easy to pick it up. And again, you can go get the great taste of those blizzards, the ultimate grill burgers, so much more at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs with a full menu at all four. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, both with drive throughs as well as the Dairy Queen of Polo Park and DQ St. Anne's. And with Burger Week finishing up tonight, folks, you got one more day to try the Boston Pizza Burger Week Creations. 
It's the jalapeno mac and cheeseburger that is available over at BP Taylor. Uh, they've got the Seasburger, the ultimate kitchen and bar collab out by the staff and the chefs at the Boston Pizza on Keniston and the Bourbon Barbecue Bacon Burger over at Boston Pizza Henderson. Uh, of course, you can order the Great Taste of BP citywide at bostonpizza.com or pop by to the sports bar for the next night for the big game. I know I should give a shout out to my pal Dom, uh, Winnipeg Blue Jay, a regular around Winnipeg sports talk, celebrated with the gang at BP Charleswood last night. Uh, always a great place to get together with the gang for the big game, especially if you're like Dom, who wanted to watch the Monday Nighter, but is also a rabid Jays fan and want to see them make their big win last night. So a uh, big thanks to Boston Pizza online, bostonpizza.com. All right, folks, it's been too long since we've had our last guest on. I'm sure it was a great summer, but now it is about time to get back to work. Jet season just around the corner, and our next guest is the voice of the Winnipeg Jets with every minute of Winnipeg Jets action on Jets Radio 680 CJOB. All hail the king. Paul Edmonds <laughs> returning to the program. Paulie, how are you? I'm how good. was the summer? Are you ready to get back at it? Yeah, I, I mean... I, I can't really follow that uh, that introduction up uh, any better than just saying thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. My phone's always on for you, Hustler, Remus, if you guys need me. Sad day this weekend coming up, though, because with mini camp starting on Thursday, things are getting rolling. I'm hauling the boat home, Andrew. On the weekend, we get a day off on Saturday. I'm hauling the boat home. That's it. So... We're, uh, we're done smashing walleye, and we're now going to be talking about pucks full-time, hopefully for about the le- next, I don't know, eight or nine months, maybe? You yeah, know? The, the longer the better. Uh, a lot of excitement about the club. Hey, just before we get to it, how was the summer? Uh, I know you spent a lot of time on the boat. Uh, was the fishing good? Uh, what were the highlights? Well, as you know, I mean, it was uh, it was a hot, dry summer that we had here. So, yeah, there was a lot of time on the boat. And actually, I swam a lot with my kids. And we had a lot of sort of water sports things that we did on top of trying to fish. And, you know, I had a young guy playing high-level baseball. So that was uh, five days a week. And uh, my daughter was uh, interested in, in making a team that she wants to make for hockey. So she was skating back in July. She got back on the ice. So... Uh, we were busy with other things other than just uh, relaxing. And then, of course, for me, there was the transition of going from uh, one entity as a work environment to another. So there was some things that I still had to kind of work through over the course of the summer. And that's all adjusted and the transition has been real good. But uh, it's been a it was a great summer. Glad it kind of cooled off a little bit in August. We got the rain that we needed. And now it looks like we've got a real good uh, September weather-wise shaping up as well to kind of enjoy that last little bit of being outside before we get hunkered down with the cold weather still to come. I have to say, um, we had plenty of conversations over the course of uh, the run to the playoffs and early into the offseason before free agency and before trades. Uh, everybody knew what the Winnipeg Jets' target was. We weren't sure how Kevin Sheveldayoff was going to accomplish it. Um I would say, certainly from listening to the folks here every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk, that what was expected, uh, you want to talk about over-delivering. People needed to get a defenseman in about 24 hours. Paul Stastny re-signed, Brendan Dillon becomes a Jet, and then Nate Schmidt becomes a Jet. Um, Pretty hard to not be 
excited if you're a Jets fan about the moves that were made. And what's interesting, Paul, it was probably great for you in the boat through the month of August, as well as Jamie and everyone else. Everything was ticked off the list. I mean, we were talking about NHL news, desperate for anything in August. Not a lot happened in Winnipeg because it happened early. It happened in advance of free agency. And I think was put beyond what most people expected. And with that comes increased expectations for the upcoming season. How did you see it from your perspective with the moves the Jets made and how they look coming into training camp, especially on the blue line? Yeah, make no mistake. I mean, our market is well-versed in the fact that after a couple of years ago, you had Buffalo and Sherratt, Myers, Truba all depart for various reasons and in different circumstances and ways from the organization in the city that there was a void. And they were, in fact, kind of chasing their tail in that department for a while to try to get back to, I guess, getting to the areas that they needed to get to to improve to go along with what was already a great goaltender, Vesna Caliber trophy-winning goaltender, uh, a forward core that could outscore mistakes but was never worried about scoring enough goals because there was always that, that plenty of offense that was there. But then defending a little bit better and being a little larger inside their own zone and making sure that they were protecting their house. And Kevin Chevaldayoff and his hockey operations staff did a marvelous job of, of securing those needs after, I think, a couple of years of assessment, there was the recoiling in the first year of, okay, what do we do here? What do we have exactly? What are the pieces that we want to cling on to? And then last year seeing, okay, what do we need to do to get better? And they certainly did that, I think, with Brendan Dillon and with Nate Schmidt. You've got a couple of bonafide NHL guys, um, a guy in Nate Schmidt that can move the puck, can, can have some fun, that can... Uh, provide some levity and a lightheartedness, certainly on the bench and in the room and in other environments that the players are always stuck in together. I mean, they spend a lot of time together. Brendan Dillon's a guy that can be a punisher as well as a puck mover and maybe have a bit of an offensive flair, but he knows that he has to use his size. Those two guys are really going to complement, I think, uh, Neil Pionk and Josh Morrissey very well, probably on the top four. Now, with training camp, a week away, a week tomorrow starting. I know there's the mini camp starting on this Thursday for the players that might be on the bubble and then full camp next week. I'm not going to be surprised if we see Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, mixing and matching, trying some experimentation to see who's going to work with whom. And then I guess if you're looking for that third pair matchup, it's probably going to be Logan Stanley and Dylan DeMello, the guys that were kind of going back and forth as to who you're going to protect on your protected list with the expansion Seattle Kraken coming in a few months ago. And then on the outside of that, you've got Nathan Beaulieu, Billy Hainala, you've got Dylan Sandberg, Sammy Niku. So I think that the Winnipeg Jets do have some richness when it comes to the defensive core now, but they, they moved in a direction where they weren't all the same player. And getting a Nate Schmidt who can play as offside as a left-handed shot, very uh, adept at playing the right-handed side, and then a bigger body there, certainly, in Brendan Dillon, who has some grit and some toughness to him, I think is going to complement this defensive core that has some skill already. So that was the missing piece for me. I think that everybody all the way down from Mark Chipman uh, through the organization realizes that this is going to be a competitive Winnipeg Jets team. And we can kind of splash that sentiment around, not be shy of the fact that I think there's going to be some pretty high expectations some lofty expectations with the moves that were made by Kevin Chevaldayoff and his staff over the course of this offseason coming into this new 82-game schedule. And boy, 
does it ever feel good to say 82 game schedule us? No doubt about that. Uh, getting you guys back on the road and into NHL buildings, getting fans back in the buildings, get it back to what makes this um, the most incredible spectator sport around from my perspective. Um, just quickly on that, on those two notes, two things that you mentioned that I want to bring up. First off, I, I think Shevel Day Off deserves an incredible amount of credit for doing it in advance of free agency. Because I tell you what, Paul, those deals look great when they were made. You fast forward three, four days into free agency and saw the numbers that were getting thrown around for defensemen, and they looked even that much better. I mean, the Jets have Brandon Dillon for three years at $3.9 million. No offense to Derek Forward at a strong set first half of the season. I thought, you know, played very well for the million bucks that he was earning. Derek Forward got three years at three. Tucker Pullman got $10 million for four years. Um you know, you give some draft capital, which I think everyone realized that that was the way to improve the team without touching the roster. They had the cap space to do it. Um, so, I mean, it, it looked even better from my perspective because of the cap certainty of those players and the fact that those deals were made earlier than the bonanza that UFA defensemen were getting in the offseason. And the other thing, Paul, and you touched on this, is Nate Schmidt and his personality. We've talked to him a couple times on this program I mean, we call him the electric factory. He just lights up the room. He gets everybody going. And I think that the Jets need that. They need a guy like that. I mean, at times, everything was real serious. Sometimes it was sort of stiff around that team. And, you know, to have a veteran player that, you know, you can have a rookie come in, but they don't really have that spot in the dressing room. I think that Schmidt might help the Jets as much off the ice over the course of 82 games because it is a long grind. It's probably the best job in the world, but it's still a job at times for these guys. And he's a guy that I think will make the team um, a little bit more fun to be around. And I think that's a real positive for the Winnipeg Jets going into 2021-22. It's something they haven't had a lot of especially now that Dustin Bufflin hasn't played here in two years. He was kind of that guy too, right? Mm -hmm. He liked to have fun. He liked to be jovial. He liked to poke uh, shots at other guys and, and then have guys take shots at him. Uh, Nate Schmidt's going to be a little bit different that way than Buff because Buff was sort of a larger-than-life character, and Nate Schmidt's not necessarily that. But you're going to get a guy that not only has that jovial personality and that can lighten the room, and light up the room at the same time as you're talking about, but it also can play the game and eat up some minutes. Not to the the degree that Dustin Bufflin ever was able to do where he could dominate a game. I don't think that Nate Schmidt has that ability in him, but this was something that I think Paul Maurice was really happy to get in his fold, a top four defenseman, but also a guy kind of like an Anthony Botetto. Remember they raved about Anthony Botetto a couple years ago? Well, Anthony Botetto brought that to the room the fact of the matter is he was probably your sixth, seventh, or eighth defenseman. Nate Schmidt's going to be in your top four, so there's a difference that way. And with Winnipeg being at about $87 million right now up against the cap, there's still some maneuvering that has to take place before they drop the puck, certainly in Anaheim next month to start the season. But I think this was the best way, as you mentioned, there was cost certainty in these two acquisitions, certainly when you are upgrading your blue line in Brendan Dillon and in Nate Schmidt. So you've got, you know, Brendan Dillon uh, had a very favorable contract of just over three, five million or just over five million for Nate Schmidt. Each guys have, or each guy has multiple years left. So you have these guys for a couple of years. And I've talked about this before, and I'll be frank once again, there is a three-year window that exists here. And after that, you don't know which way this is going to go. 
if you can get to where you want to get to or places that you want to get to in the next year or two, then you will have the ability to try to kind of repeat. If you don't get anywhere close to where you want to get to in the three years, then I think that you're probably going to see a shift in the philosophy of this team right now going forward. But there is a three-year window that exists right now, right here with this team. And I think the fan base expects that. And I know that the organization understands what's ahead. And what's ahead is an opportunity for this team to compete. And they have to do something with the blue line. But at the same time, the reason I say three years is because you have a lot of players on multi-year deals. And it's going to be tied part and parcel to what happens with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler going forward because a lot of those guys or those guys have two and three years remaining on their deals. And the Jets' fortunes will be tied to those guys plus the add-ons that they've had over the course of the offseason. So a lot of excitement here for sure. But I think they did it in such a shrewd, crafty way that they utilized those draft picks that they had, made sure that they fell under the cap. They were comfortable with the salaries that they were bringing in. But now there's still going to have to be some wiggle room here between now and the opening drop of the puck to get down to that uh, $81.5 million salary cap. Yeah, the wiggle room is not quite there for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's a big reason why Eric Comrie has the opportunity that he has in, in the net. And we're talking about guys with three years left on his contract. I don't think there's any bigger one than 37 in between the pipes. And we know how important he's been for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, it just we'll, we'll get to Comrie in a sec. But before we move on from the defense, I wanted to get your thoughts on Josh Morrissey going into the season. Um, I think everyone felt for Josh and his family with the loss of his father and really knowing kind of what he was dealing with last year. And that's something off the ice that no one can really quantify. We do know that there were some struggles on the ice, but going into this season, playing as part of a top four that has Neil Pionk as well as the two newcomers, what do you expect from Josh Morrissey this season, and how much better of a situation is, is, is has the team put forth for him to get back to the level we've seen him play at during his time here in Winnipeg? Well, I think with the, the passing of his father, there's going to be an adjustment there because in knowing Josh and a little bit of his father on a, on a dad's trip from a number of years ago, I understand that there was quite a unique relationship between father and son that existed right through and into Josh's NHL playing days, Huss. And that is that they would talk on the phone. They would talk about things that his dad was seeing uh, with Josh and the way he was playing. So that ability for Josh won't be there anymore. He won't have that confidant. So there's going to be an adjustment there. We'll see how he handles that and, you know, a, an unfortunate situation for their family. But I think Josh has matured as a player. Um, he certainly has taken on the number one or the lead role or one of them on the blue line. That will be absorbed a little easier this year in another year of experience. Plus, you've got some other experienced defensemen to go along with that to maybe alleviate some of that pressure in Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. But to be succinct to answer your question, I think what we can expect of Josh Morrissey is what we saw certainly in the Edmonton series where he was up against McDavid or Dreisaitl, or sometimes both, and handled those two guys with aplomb, especially on his side of center right. That's the type of Josh Morrissey performance that I think that we can look forward to and challenge Josh to play more of when it comes to the 82-game schedule, not just four refined games against the Edmonton Oilers. I think there's a capability of him extrapolating those four games, and he finished up strong, and that's the way you always want to do it, 
certainly in a season, any season, any sport, but there is the capability of him to move that a little bit further overall and spread that out over the course of the 82 games. All 82 aren't going to be Picasso's by any stretch of the imagination. You're going to have, you know, games that are better than others for different reasons, travel, fatigue, not feeling great, hunger, uh, you know, um, certainly things in your life that are going on. But in saying that, I think that Josh can take another step in his development as a premier defenseman on the Winnipeg Jets this year. And I think he's certainly capable of that, would probably put that pressure on himself. But we've taken or we've seen him take some good strides in that regard. And I think if you're looking to really focus focus in on one area where he did take that stride last year was in that series against the Edmonton Oilers with the Winnipeg Jets sweeping in four games. You got it. Paul Edmonds, voice of the Winnipeg Jets on Jets Radio 680 CJOB is our guest. Uh, Paulie, I mentioned Eric Comrie. Huge opportunity for him coming in. Um, the salary works. Um, part of it is the cap. Um, there won't be really a guy that we assume will be pushing for him in the job, but I do think there is a lot at stake for him through training camp, through the exhibition season, as nothing is guaranteed and things can change and other guys can come on the market. Uh, what do you make of Comrie's spot in the organization coming in with an opportunity unlike he's had at any point in his playing career with the door wide open to an NHL job with the Winnipeg Jets? Well, let's see if he kind of soft shoe shuffles through it or he just kind of kicks the door in and jumps across the threshold. At 26 years old, Eric Comrie has done everything possible for the Manitoba Moose, the city of Winnipeg, and the province of Manitoba when it comes to being an AHL player. He's been a great player, a great citizen, and quite frankly, the numbers speak for themselves in the American Hockey League with the Moose. The time is nigh, though, and he's going to be given the opportunity for him to become an NHL backup. And I think what he'll do is he'll be able to absorb some of those games and some of being around the NHL more on a full-time basis. So there is some opportunity for growth there. In my recollection of Eric as an NHL goaltender, it's always been because of an injury and a call-up, and then they thrust him into duty, and it kind of hasn't gone very well for him. I think of a couple of starts, Florida against Columbus being another one. This time he'll get an opportunity to sit kind of on the bench, take those NHL shots full-time, know that he is a full-time NHLer, but you are right. I mean, there may be some things that could happen in training camp. We're not sure, but right now the Jets have tied their wagon when it comes to the goaltenders to Eric Comrie as the backup and Connor Hellebuck as your starting goaltender. The key for me will be how does Eric handle that situation and the move up on a full-time basis. The other part of this is that I'm going to look for is how many games do you want Eric to handle and by extension from that, and your primary position is your number one goaltender, and you're always looking out for him, how many games is Connor Hellebuck going to be comfortable with, and therefore how many games is Eric Comrie going to get? Is it going to be 55 for Hellebuck? Is he going to be in the neighborhood of 60? So does Eric Comrie get 22 games or 25? Where's the number? Where's the sweet spot? So that's what they have to work out this year. But I think that based on the past performance sheet, the resume of Eric Comrie, that this ascension from the AHL to the NHL is well-deserved, and it's certainly timely. Let's see what happens. Paulie, let's look at the forwards. Um, you know, We won't spend much time on the top six. Um, I think everyone knows there'll be a big spotlight on Pierre-Luc Dubois as much as maybe any other player. He's going to be there with a new number, a clean slate, um, and he'll be there. The big 
absence coming out of the offseason is Mason Appleton, who fits so well with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp on that Jets third line, if you want to call it that. Um, give me your pre-training camp power poll for, you know, guys that are in the pecking order, at least before we see anything on the ice, to take that spot on a very important role for Coach Paul Maurice that will come with a lot of responsibility and a lot of ice time. Well, you know, I want to start with top six real quick. I mean, you're going to have probably Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler or Ehlers flipping on that side and whoever's that right winger on that number one line, then by default, you're going to have probably Stastny, Dubois, and then the other guy on the right-hand side, either Wheeler or Ehlers. So there's your top six, right? I still think that you've got to kind of keep the band together or at least two-thirds of it, and that's Lowry and Kopp. They seem to work hand-in-hand. Kopp knows where his bread is being buttered. He's on a one-year deal. He's going to try to extrapolate that into a multi-year deal for multi-millions going forward if he can have another good year. He knows that it's a safe spot being with Adam Lowry. He's going to get lots of ice time, an opportunity on maybe some power play situations because there's no more Matthew Perot competing for that spot and maybe some penalty kill as well. But once you go to one specialty team, usually you don't usually get to the other or get the opportunity on the other. And everybody wants to play power play because you're going to get opportunities for more points and points mean more dollars. Who's going to be on the right side? Mason Appleton's not there anymore, Hustler. But I look for Christian Veselina to try, to try to take that spot at training camp. I think it's his to lose. I think we saw signs of Christian Veselina starting to emerge as that number one draft pick that we expected him to maybe a year or two earlier than what we saw last year or what he presented before last year. But we saw a guy that was able to skate, shoot the puck, and go up and down the wing and be defensively responsible toward the end of the season and made quite an impression impression, excuse me, on the coaching staff. His next move is to be able to come off the wall in a puck battle and make a play. That's the next step for Christian Veselainen. He's going to get an opportunity, I believe, to earn that job on the right wing side on the third line alongside Adam Lowry and then flanked over to his far left by Andrew Koch. The fourth line, there's some gray area there. There's opportunity. There's no question about it. You've lost, you know, you've lost uh, Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis. So now there's some holes to fill. Matthew Perot, as I mentioned. So I think Riley Nash is going to be the guy that's going to be penciled in there, probably as a centerman right now. But David Gustafson is not far behind him. He's being groomed and had a real good year last year in the American Hockey League for that fourth line center role. That also leaves now. Jansen Harkins with an opportunity to become a full-time NHLer. And if I'm Jansen Harkins, I'm saying, where do you want me to go, coach? I can play the left. I can play the right. I can play the middle. Where do you need me to go? I just want to play. I want to earn a spot. So he's going to have an opportunity. And I think that they did a real good job of re-signing Dominic Toninato. Because what we saw him in a small sample size last year was a guy that can skate, that has some NHL tread on the tire from his days in Colorado from before, and an opportunity for him to be maybe that guy that fits in as a plug-and-play guy on the left side, right side, wherever you need him on that fourth line. So there is some jobs to earn. Certainly, I think that there's some names in pencil on that right side in the third line and then the entire fourth line. But another guy that I would say from if you're looking to elevate somebody, Christian Reichel, a right-handed shot, seems to have scored and 
and done all the right things at the American Hockey League level. Let's see what he does at training camp. He's going to get an opportunity at the mini camp that starts coming up on Thursday of this week, and let's see if he can have a, a good start to that and then get into main camp. But there's opportunities, there's jobs, there should be really good competition amongst, uh, I would say, half a dozen guys to earn probably four spots on the bottom end of that lineup for the Winnipeg Jets. But for the most part, as you mentioned, your top two lines and two-thirds of your third line are set in stone, but still four jobs to go for a lot of guys that are vying for them as full-time NHLers. Well, uh, you nailed it. I mean, basically, it's exactly the way I see it. I mean, I think Veselainen being a first-rounder, they would love for him to jump up and grab that spot. And then you've got, you know, uh, Harkins and Gustafson and Nash and Toninato uh, probably battling each other to be the three guys in the lineup on that, you know, assuming everyone is healthy, and that would be great if everyone's healthy, but that isn't usually the case. So I think all those guys are going to play considerable minutes. It is interesting, though, Polly, when we talk about the opportunity there for the depth spots at the forward group and how different it is on the blue line with the additions of Dylan and Nate Schmidt. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, would be comfortable to see Billy Hainala or Dylan Sandberg playing in the National Hockey League coming into the fall I don't think that is sort of in the cards right now, assuming everyone is healthy. It could change very quickly um, because when you look at the top six, we're including Logan Stanley in that group, along with Dylan DeMello and the four guys that we mentioned. Naple Yu being on contract and Sammy Niku on a league minimum deal. I think it really does behoove the organization to let these guys go and play 23, 24, 25 minutes a night on a nightly basis with the Manitoba Moose. So when they get the call... It's not like it's been before where you might go in and play five or six minutes. They'll have young men that are ready to go in and play the role that they are replacing. And uh, man, that's a different story in Winnipeg than we've seen in previous years. You know, and that's a good point. I mean, much probably to the chagrin of Billy Hanelo, who made an impression a couple of seasons ago in training camp and then through the start of the regular season, probably doesn't want to hear that maybe the best place for you is the American Hockey League playing 25 minutes a night. But Right now, given the current configuration of the blue line of the Jets, that's the best spot for him. So that when you do get that opportunity, as you suggested, and I don't want to repeat exactly what you said, but when you do get that opportunity, and there is going to be opportunity that you step right in, and there's not any sheltering or coddling going on. So that's probably a good place for Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg to be your top two defensemen, perhaps, at the American Hockey League level. It's going to be interesting to see because... Nathan Beaulieu brings some grit and, you know, a seventh defenseman opportunity there. And I know the guys love him in the dressing room. So there's going to be some competition for a lot of spots there on that bottom sort of seven, eight, and nine defenseman kind of spots for the, the, for the Jets. And then whoever doesn't make the team, and I think some salary cap considerations are going to be in play here, will have to be waived and then maybe sent down. And that could come at the cost of a guy that might be a veteran guy because they have to free up some cap space. Another guy that we haven't talked about going back to the boards just for a second. And I know that he didn't start out all that hot with the Manitoba Moose probably should have been back in the OHL, but they didn't play last year. Um, he doesn't have to go back this year, but that's 19 year old Cole Perfetti, number one draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets, you know, a, a first round selection. As the year went along in the American Hockey League last year, he got better and better and better and more dominant. And then I think the apex to his season was the fact that he went and represented Canada 
at the World Championships and a team that starts 0-3 and ends up winning under the tutelage of Gerard Gallant the gold medal. And, and he's a big part of that. And I think in terms of his development, the AHL was really good for him last year. The World Championship experience in representing Canada again uh, was excellent for him. So does he push in? Does he push into a center ice spot or a winger spot? So if those guys, Sandberg, Hanela, Perfetti, don't make the team on a training camp and they want those guys to go down and play multiple minutes, not only do you have the expectation of this National Hockey League team and the Jets coming through with bigger and better expectations and things that they want to certainly accomplish and maybe get to the ultimate prize, but I think the American Hockey League team and the Manitoba Moose will be well-situated as well to try to make a run at a Calder Cup or at least challenge for something in that regard. I heard today from a uh, member of the upper organization of True North Sports and Entertainment, there is ex- expectation not only on the Jets to perform this year, but the Moose as well because they think that they have two really good hockey teams here in the city. Oh, oh the Moose are set up for success more than maybe any point since the NHL team came here or they came to Winnipeg. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And just a quick thought on Perfetti from my perspective, Paul, uh, I think the best thing that happened to him was that rule change where he can play in the American hockey league because, and, and listen, maybe he comes in and just lights it up and they simply have no choice. But if we've learned anything and look at what's happened with Hanel and stuff, I mean, they're, they don't rush players. And at some point, you know, as a young guy, you need to, you need to basically show up and say, you have no choice but to put me into the lineup. And if the option was either to have him with the NHL team or go back to the Ontario Hockey League, I think it would be likely that he could be on the club. But it wouldn't necessarily be because he's ready and he has to be in the lineup. And then you're doing a lot of practicing. You're doing a lot of bag skates. You're eating a lot of popcorn in the press box. And I don't think that's a great spot for a 19-year-old to be. With him able to come in, play preseason games, get into some games, go down the hall to the Manitoba Moose, play a top-line role, play the power play, do everything that he did last year, where especially in the second half of the season, I mean, he was a legit star in that league as opposed to getting his feet wet earlier on. It's the perfect scenario for the Winnipeg Jets, and I would say the player as well. Because as much as, yeah, you want to get there as fast as possible, um, you know, there's also the contract to continue to think about with, you know, flipping over the ELC. But I think he goes to Manitoba, plays a ton. And then if injuries dictate that there's a spot or later on in the season, after he's had what's hopefully a great year, all of a sudden that sort of addition without making a trade can come in and make a big impact at the end of the season, and most importantly, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And once that happens, you're basically a regular going forward. A couple of things on that. I don't think the Jets are really worried about I truly, I do believe, they're not worried about starting the clock on Cole Perfetti. If they feel like he's ready to go, they're not going to bury him in the minors because they don't want to start the clock on him and start the ELC and then you know get to that 40-game threshold or they're in about where you scrape a year off of his eligibility toward free agency. I don't think they're worried about any of that. I think they're worried about developing this player. And the other thing about that is, well, you say, well, Cole Perfetti, uh, you know, he should be playing in the National Hockey League. He's good enough, but he's not going to assume a third or fourth line role. I just don't believe that that's where he is. 
paying that to be. Makes a, no sense for them to do no that. Sense. Play six minutes on the fourth line and right. it, like in a role that he won't be playing when he is a regular in the NHL. Play play with the moose. I mean, it, yeah. Play that top line role with the moose, and then as you mentioned, if there is an injury, let's just say let's throw off this scenario for a minute. Let's say Pierre Luc Dubois has a great start, but gets hurt, and. Now Cole Perfetti is playing so well in the Moose. Well, you call him up, of course. Boom, he goes right in that spot because that's what you're grooming him for. And and maybe at some point to be your top center. Who knows what's going to happen with Mark Shifley in three years? I mean, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. The Jets will have to make a decision on what they want to pay him. He'll have to make a decision on what he wants or what he thinks he's worth. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of these guys that – have played within an organization for a long time, like the loyalty factor, but also realize that coming out of that long-term contract, there's one more deal like left probably for them. They really get paid. And if you're looking for 10, 11, or $12 million, Winnipeg might not be the place for that. So Cole Perfetti, you've got to have him in queue because at some point he's going to be your top or second line center within this organization. So go down, play all those minutes, play all those important minutes, play those important roles down on the Manitoba Moose, because maybe at some point, who knows, at the, the juncture that you'd least expect, you might get an opportunity this coming season to be plugged and played into that spot as a number one or number two or maybe even number three center. But there makes no sense for him to be killing penalties and playing on the fourth line to start the season at the NHL level this year. Paul Edmonds, voice of the Jets on Jets Radio 680. So CJOB has been our guest. Paulie, last one for you. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had any sense of normalcy around, well, all of our lives, to be honest. Um, to be honest, the, the two times that have been the most normal and the most enjoyable was the first Bomber game and the Banjo Bowl. And I hope we'll have similar enjoyment when we get to the rink. But for you personally, what are you most looking forward to on, I believe it's October 24th, when the Jets host the Ducks in that home opener and you get to say, it's showtime in downtown Winnipeg. How was that? That's pretty good. Uh, I am looking forward, honestly, I said this and it just, I mean, you know me, Hustler, so I don't blow smoke. I really don't. I'll say what's on my mind. If I really think that you did a great job, I'm going to tell you because I'm not going to make up a bunch of lies and, and try to pat you on the back and smooth things over and think that, you know, I'm just going to give you a line. I truly missed the fans last year. There was an ambiance, an atmosphere that was devoid in, in the buildings that we went to. Certainly for me, it was our home rink and then into Montreal. Now, by the time we got to Montreal, there was some fans in the building, but it still, it wasn't the same. It wasn't a packed house, but it still was a better ambiance than what we had in doing games from a remote location and then into an empty building. So I am looking forward to the fans getting in. All the preparations are being made for a full house uh, all season long for the Winnipeg Jets, 15,000 plus. So, you know, the same rules apply as the Gold Eyes and as the Bombers. And by the way, you know, I talked to some people that went to a Bomber game, Hustler, the first one, and there was just this feeling of emancipation. Like there's just this liberating feeling of getting back out and, and being amongst people. Same thing, I took my kids to uh, last Friday's game uh, against the the Winnipeg Gold Eyes against Fargo on their last weekend before the long weekend. So I guess it would have been about a week and a half ago now. And we just felt that liberating feeling as well. 
Well, you're going to get that with the hockey team as they open the doors to people that are fully vaccinated in the way you go. And there's going to be that atmosphere, that ambiance, that that certain environment that we've missed uh, for all of these months, and especially last year during the 56-game schedule. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the fans to come back in the building. I'm excited for the players to play in front of the fans again because I really believe that they missed that. The games got going because these guys are uber competitive, but I think sometimes to start before they got a lather on, it was just something that just wasn't right about the whole scenario in empty buildings. We're not going to have that anymore. I'm looking forward to it. That's what I've missed the most, and that's what I think is the most exciting part about the start of the season, the 82 games, but having 41 of them back here in downtown Winnipeg with a full house. Yeah, dude, the combination of what the team did in the offseason and the legitimate excitement about what the team might be capable of uh, back in the Central Division, getting all the teams there and having the fans back in the building, it is right. And I'll echo your thoughts about the Bomber games. I mean, that first one was such a spell. I'll never forget it. Um, you know, for everything that we've been through and everyone got there an hour and a half early because they thought it was going to take 45 minutes to get the Vax card checked. It took like two seconds if you were ready for it. And it was just phenomenal. And the scene we had at the Banjo Bowl on Saturday was, I mean, absolutely electric. The team's kicking ass. Uh, I got to tell you, I've been so uh, excited about everything going on with the Bombers this year. Got a chance to get up to the ballpark and see the Gold Eyes when they came back. The NFL's back right now, so we've got lots to talk about. But I'll tell you what, it's nothing is going to be like getting back into that arena and seeing this hockey team come out, listen to you call the games, and uh, hopefully move on from a pretty dark hero, certainly for the entertainment and sports industry, uh, but for sports fans that have missed this opportunity so much. This has been amazing, dude. I cannot wait to do this again with you during the season. RIP to fishing season. Get that boat <laughs> yeah. out of the water on Saturday. And uh, all the best to the family as well. Uh, give them my best, and uh, let's do this again soon. Uh, say hi to the gang down at the office, JT and everyone, and uh, let's do this again soon. My pleasure. Two things, and you know them. It's my youngest guy's 13th birthday today, so happy birthday to my youngest Nolan, boy. Nolan, 13. Nolan, 13 today, yeah. And in the infamous words of Bob McKenzie, we're going to get on the air and we're going to talk about nothing until nothing's good enough, Hustler. And I can't wait to do it. <laughs> We've been doing that all summer, to be honest with you. Let's get on with the season. <laughs> Have a good one, dude. Thanks See so you, much. Yeah. Uh, there he is, the one and only Paul Edmonds, at Utility Voice on Twitter. He is the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. And, uh, man, that was an awesome, awesome interview. I was already fired up for the season, but getting Paulie in here, hearing him talk about it, uh, and I'm sure many fans feeling uh, the same way. Um, we do have a couple more things to get to. Um, we certainly have to get to our cool bet lines of the day. We uh, will get to our picks for Assiniboia Downs. Just two days left for Assiniboia Downs. Um, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, mentioned yesterday how much a Canadian Club was probably being poured at the Banjo Bowl and vicinity on the weekend. They, of course, are the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers along with Brugal Rum and Jim Beam and Northern uh, Vodka. But we really appreciated having uh, having Canadian Club on board with us. Uh, big shout out to P. Sambo, who won that incredible bottle of Canadian Club Chronicles 42. The next editions are going to be coming up in incredibly limited, uh, limited amounts very soon. Uh, we'll have some more giveaways coming up with Canadian Club. But of course, if you want the great taste of Canadian Club, pop by and grab it. 
at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart location. And of course, Cineboy Downs. Uh, I uh, did not have a great night last night. I've got two more days to make a dent in Remus's lead on me. And tomorrow night, I think we're going to do it in person. So if you are uh, looking for a night out, come on down, hook up with us. Uh, we'll be down on the tarmac outdoors. Of course, you just have to have your Vax proof roll in, much like any of the other games. They're at 50% capacity, but there's tons of room. Uh, we'll make some bets, maybe have a couple beers, have a great time out at the track. And uh, Darren Dunn's going to come on tomorrow at 2.20 to talk about a mandatory payout and a potential way you can win a million dollars simply by picking some correct horses on Wednesday night. So that's it, Assiniboy Downs. Find out more. Of course, ASD Live goes today at 6.45. I may have to lean on stretch for some picks for tomorrow for the final day. I may have to make some texts a little later on. Uh, but we'll make our picks in a minute for Assiniboy Downs. But uh, great year of live racing. Uh, I know the uh, Terrace Dining Room is oversold for tomorrow, but uh, we'll be downstairs just hanging out inside, outside, watching the races. So we'd love to see you out there to Cinnaboy Downs, and Darren Dunn will join us tomorrow. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. Well, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Um, Remo, uh, you know, great conversation with Paul. Uh, but, of course, and I know some people have just joined us recently. Uh, the big story in the chat, and I know, um, you know, this one's hammered you because I know what a huge Norm Macdonald fan you were. Um, just the uh, the sympathies and uh, the feeling of loss of uh, Canadians and comedy fans um, really sort of, you know, taking over much of the sports talk this afternoon, especially when you look at social media. Yes, Hustler. Um I'm totally rattled. I, you know, I try not to let celebrity deaths uh, get to me, but I saw the news in the chat and then went to Twitter. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just got like chills and, uh, you know, read it. I see everyone posting clips on Twitter. And it's not the same clip over and over again. It's a million different clips. And some of them, the most obscure stuff from like some random talk show, not random talk, like Conan or Letterman or a roast or SNL or a movie or hosting the ESPYs. There's so many different clips out there. Just type his name in. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Rick Ralph, actually, who posted this picture on Twitter of him and Richard Pollock uh, at Boston Pizza. And Norm would always rock the Jets jersey. We had him on with Rick. And Rick even made Norm laugh. And it was it was one of the more <laughs> memorable uh, re- memorable segments that we uh, we did. So uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty rattled. And I'll... I'll have to go watch some of these clips after the show. It's uh, very, very sad. Saw him twice uh, here in Winnipeg and, uh, you know, laughing to the point of crying over and over again. Book book some time if you're going to go down a YouTube Norm McDonald yeah. rabbit hole tonight. I, I have done that on a few occasions. I know my dad, uh, a big Norm McDonald fan, uh, sent a couple videos over and he did the same thing. Now, a lot of the stuff you could never put on television now Um I would direct you to uh, about a 25-minute bit he did on Michael Jackson. Yeah. Which is one of, one. <laughs> There's like the OJ and the Michael Jackson. Yeah. They're on YouTube <laughs> compilations. There's there's a lot, there's tons. The SB one, uh, people were tweeting out the SBs. The SBs. Legendary. It's, yeah. Just burying, burying everybody in the crowd. Um, so anyways, a huge loss uh, for uh, a country, for comedy, for entertainment, and Norm Macdonald passing away at the age of 61 years old. And I know uh, I've been appreciated seeing everyone talking about it today in, in the chat. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. Let's get to the majors. 
the Blue Jays. Uh, quickly, Alec Manoa last night, what, one hit over eight innings, 10 strikeouts? I mean, this young man is an absolute stud. And I know they were hoping they would have something like this. I don't think anyone saw this coming as early as it did. And when you see the way the guys are hitting the ball, Vladdy Guerrero now at 45 home runs, leading the majors after last night. Everything is coming up. Blue Jays right now, they are the hottest team in the majors. They are now in a wild card spot right now, and they can continue the roll tonight against the Tampa Bay Rays. Barrios on the hill. Jays, a minus 135 favorite. Rays, plus 115. And the uh, total for the game now up to nine. And not, not surprising, the Jays are ripping the cover off the ball every time they swing a bat. I don't think anyone wants to play the Blue Jays right now. I don't think you want to nope. run into them in the playoffs. I don't want to think you want to play them now. Uh, their starters, Barrios, Manoa, um, Robbie Ray. Ray, there was four very solid arms. Their lineup. Uh, top five uh, is hitting the ball, the cover of the ball. Same with the bottom portion of the lineup. So, I mean, you want to be peaking at this period and just get hot and roll in the playoffs. We've seen the Cardinals do it before. I don't think the Blue Jays can catch the Rays, although if they keep winning, you know, maybe you can knock some games off here. Uh, but this is their games being very highly rest. A million people watching yesterday more than Monday Night Football in Canada. Our boy uh, Adam tweeting that one out. Seaborn, yeah, always he, on top of the always on top of the TV ratings. Yeah, he's on top of the TV ratings. So, well, and speaking of the TV ratings, just a quick note on that: the uh, banjo ball, which would normally be a huge yeah. TV audience, got smoked because of Layla Annie Fernandez, and I knew that would be an issue. I mean, I was choked that I had to, you know, miss the tennis match because I was going to the game. I PVR both at the same time on different mm-hmm. TSN channels, but it was obvious the sporting viewer was really split. But did he get 1.1 million in the afternoon on a Saturday for tennis, uh, which was unheard of here in Canada? You know, incredible run for Leila Andy Fernandez, uh, finishing up as the runner up. And I believe her ranking moved from 72 to 28 wow. when it came out today. Um, I can only imagine what Raducanu, who was 338th in the world heading into Wimbledon, uh, the 18-year-old made it to the round of 16, had to bow out due to breathing problems, and then qualified and won the U.S. Open without ever losing a set, winning 10 straight matches and 20 straight sets. Truly one of the most incredible Cinderella stories ever. Um, just to finish up the cool bet odds, we got the Jays minus 135 tonight. Quick update on the CFL for the weekend. That one-point spread yesterday that we had between Calgary and Hamilton, Remus, you were on to something. This one's now three points for Hamilton. That's been the big mover. Uh, Argos went from four to three-and-a-half-point favorites. Seeing in the chat that Fajardo is practicing today, that's great news for the Riders. Uh, Don't imagine that line will change very much with Cody Fajardo in. If he's out, though, I think that'll be closer to a pick-em. BC, one-point underdogs in Montreal, and the Bombers still six-point favorites against the Edmonton Elks. And by the way, to win the Grey Cup, Bombers now the clear favorite, 3-1 to one on the season. Saskatchewan a plus 475, Hamilton plus 575, and down the list we go. Uh, all right, let's get to our uh, second last duel at the down segment of the year, Remus. Um, I know you got a win last night. You had another refund because of a scratched horse. Where are you going tonight in the... I believe it's the penultimate evening of live racing. Yeah, I'm doing... Did I butcher that? I'm doing what I've been doing. Do you want to do an update of what the standings are, or should we do that uh, tomorrow? 
Uh, well, sure, I can tell you. You can get. Where, where are you at right now? Hopefully so we right we both started with like a thousand bucks, and we've been betting twenty bucks a race night. My account it got up to like over twelve hundred at one point. I'm way down. I'm more like, well, after today's bets, I'm at eight eight hundred six. So okay, I'm, so I'm in. So I am in. Like if I come up with some yeah. magic, a couple miracles, yeah. I could catch you. I'm six forty seven right now. Okay, so, so you're st- okay. And then it, like want- it's not out of it. I did win a triactor one bet at one point, which was I think one twenty three or one twenty four. Yeah. So I basically would need a couple of those over today and tomorrow to uh, to make it happen. Yeah. So I I was up. I did very well at the beginning. I've kind of been better the last week and a half. But uh, there was two months where I really like I don't think I want to bet. It was horrible. Yesterday well, I won one. I won one bet. I bet five dollars on a horse to win, um, wits tenny ten, and won like seven fifty. And then another wits tenny ten. Yeah, that's the chalkiest of the chalk. Yeah, I was, love the wit horses though. I want to meet the wit trainer because yeah. all those horses kick ass every single time they're out. It seems. So here I'll start race four. I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing two triactor boxes, a five dollar win bet, and a three dollar win bet on like a longer shot horse, or trying to. Um, and if we wanted to bet on like every race tomorrow, like put like a certain number on every race, like five dollars on each one or something, we can discuss that. I might be putting forty on every one to try yeah. to catch you. Oh, try to catch me? Oh god, this is like Je- Jeopardy here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, final Jeopardy. What am I gonna? What the am I gonna? The pressure's on me. The pressure's on me here. It's certainly not on you. Yeah. Um, uh, I, have, like tonight? I like in race four. I'm doing a tractor box. Two four six. Um, Tis Funny, My Father's Eyes, and Warren's Van Gogh. I'm doing Race 5, another Triactor Box. Um, 346, Gold Shaft, Storm Squall, and Mission Reality. I'm also doing Race 6. Hold on, my, my mouse doesn't want to work. Let me hit the refresh. Sometimes this HPI bet, I gotta refresh it. There we go, Race 6. I like for seven cabin John to win. I'm putting five on him. Or sorry, that's a that's a three dollar one. And race seven, I am doing horse one, Mister Dazzle. I'm pretty sure, but this is a good race. Candy Giant. I've seen shooting money. I've seen as well, but I'm going with Mister Dazzle to win. That's five dollar bet. So those are mine. All right, I uh, let's get to the top of the program here. I'm going with a, I'm going to take one sharp contrast and three wits question. I'm going to put those one, three or three, one, and then slam that with number five button mushroom for a triactor. I think that's a three. I thought actually might just be a $2 bet because it's two different ways. $1. Maybe I'll put two on it, but a one, three with five in third Uh, in race number two. I'm going to sprinkle on by y'all to win. That's race no- horse number three. And I'm going to take by y'all and bad news. Love that name uh, for a Quinella race. Number three, I'm going to go with really lucky. How can you not bet on a horse named really lucky? And then I'll put really lucky with Laska for a $2 Quinella. And then I got two other Quinellas race. Number four, we're going to take tis funny and empirical empirical data. Number seven. And then race number five, we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with Storm Squall and Mission Reality for a four six Quinella, and then I'll do the Triactor box 
with those two horses along with the hilarious named three horse gold yeah. shaft. I, I, I have that same <laughs> that same one. So uh, how could you not like gold shaft? <laughs> gold shaft is in. So uh, we'll get those done. You can you can bet any you can bet any time. Definitely at, bet gold shaft. Yeah, how can you not? Um, <laughs> HPIbet.com. It's a program selection, so we're not like off the board, too. (laughs) For sure. Uh, HPIbet.com if you want to bet online. And the uh, other way, of course, you can do is head on out to the track. Two more nights, today and tomorrow. And Darren Dunn will come on tomorrow around, uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, around 2.20 or so. And he'll break down uh, the season, how things have gone with fans in a limited capacity. uh, Now, certainly as opposed to before where there were none. Uh, what the online betting's been like. I think it's been great for Assiniboy Downs as they've moved to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and of course, what we really need to know, how we get a chance at that million bucks tomorrow in the jackpot high five. So we'll do all of that tomorrow on the program. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, we've also got Marshall Ferguson coming up tomorrow, Remo. Uh, I love talking with Marshall about all things CFL, NFL, He'll be on. And the return of advice with Heiss. Benny Heiss is going to join us. Uh, We'll do some of the similar things we do with Andy Mack, get his thoughts on the NFL, Uh, maybe some advice for fantasy GMs, maybe a little gambling talk. Um, But we will have more Jets talk this week. Uh, I know not a lot of news, but excitement as things get going. Rookie camp gets going or mini camp, if you want to call it, on Thursday. Ken Weeb is going to join us on Thursday. We'll have an extended conversation with Weaver about the upcoming season and upcoming Jets training camp. And we'll also talk Blue Jays with Keegan Matheson. And then on Friday, get ready for a big weekend of football, talking Bombers, talking Elks, and talking Week 2 in the National Football League. Um, Remo, I know it's past three. We do have to go. Just quickly on the way out, did you see any of the ridiculous get-ups from these people at this Met Gala last night? Of course. I'm all over the Met Gala, and here it is, uh, Sporting News. Put together a nice gallery if you want to just whip through uh, with the <laughs> athletes. Sure. Sierra. Were... How about Sierra yeah. with the Russ Wilson? To be honest, that might be she might be the best-dressed person at the entire Met Gala, and I know that's somewhat weird. The, a huge flex, though, wearing Russ's Super Bowl ring. And when Wilson was on with the Manning brothers last night, uh, Eli and Peyton had a little bit of fun with the dress. But then Peyton did mention that, uh, yeah, she's wearing a ring that he wanted for himself. Yeah. Because, of course, they got blown out by the Seahawks at the Super Bowl in New York City a few years back. Uh, who, who else is on, on yeah. the list? I mean, if you're watching, you don't know what the was, you don't know what the Met Gala is. I don't know. It's some some festival or I don't know, some thing in New York where everyone wears the most ridiculous outfits you could imagine. It's the most self-indulgent event involving rich people every year on the calendar. And it is a massive, it is a costume party is basically what it is. Although these people are trying to legitimately be fashion icons. And if any people, if any of these people who seriously thought that they look good in this stuff, Ever have anything to say about professional wrestling? I've got some news for you. This is a hundred times more ridiculous than anything that's happened in the WWE 
for the better part of the last 25 years. Yeah. That being said, I'm here for all I, of it. Speaking of Derek, I could see like Ric Flair. Didn't he wear this once to the ring? That's whatever Serena Williams that was is wearing inspired, here. inspired by the nature boy right there. I, I kind of like this, uh, this outfit with the uh, feather cape. Sure. I mean, that's Serena Williams. We've got Ciara with the, there's the ring. And I feel like the Met Gala is a, is a time you would bring out a Super Bowl ring. But you got to be careful. That's probably a $50,000 piece. I'm sh- I don't know what the dress is. I'm sure it might even be worth worth more. Yeah. Oh, she's even got like a football with her own, right? Yeah, that's her purse, I guess. That's her purse. We got Alice. Oh, Allison Felix. Not not crazy about this, but she's a she's an excellent uh, track athlete. Yeah, seems like a really functional outfit to wear yeah. out for a night out, okay. for sure. Simone Biles, this is what she's the GOAT. Um, I heard that this dress part is weighs like 180 pounds. Like I can't imagine lugging. That's more than her. Oh, sorry. Wait, the whole gallon weighed 88 pounds. It took 100 people and 6,650 hours to produce this three-in-one piece. So <laughs> eight, imagine lugging around an 80-pound, 80 88-pound outfit. That's, here we got Gabrielle Union rocking, I don't know what this thing is. Yes, wife of uh, Dwayne Wade. We got Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry. I mean, they look like they look nice. It, that's the irony of the whole thing. Yeah. Russell Westbrook is the most normally dressed person at this event. When Russ is usually the guy that does everything. You know what? This is Russ's crazy outlandish costume, a normal suit, and, uh, because yeah. that's not something we're normally used to. And uh, yeah, Steph just uh, Steph doing his thing. Megan Rapino. I mean, she looks like she's just wearing what she normally wears here. Megan Rapino. This is nice uh, blue and red apparel. Nice earrings. Uh, I mean, Queen America. Maybe yeah. not to uh, everybody. Whoa. But, uh, like, oh, this the Osaka. That's wild. <laughs> that ha- that hair probably took a long time to do. Can you imagine going out of the house with your hair like that? I mean, it's it's a costume party. The Met Gal. You got to do dangerous. I don't know. Imagine how you... if you just turned around. Imagine sitting beside her at the event. <laughs> I don't yeah it's, I mean that's pretty that's a nice look too Emma there's Emma Raducanu fresh off the US Open looking great <laughs> this looks like a, just a regular apparel and by the way she's up to like number 24 I think on the rankings if you're yeah well she's gonna be up to number one in the uh, richest female athletes if she yeah. keeps winning because there is no more marketable athlete on the planet right now than that young woman after what she was uh, what she did yeah, here's uh, Shy uh, Gilgis Alexander, NBA player. Nice, nice, nice Canadian. Yeah, there you go. And the turtleneck. There you go. And that was what that was what Sporting News had as the athletes. I know Layla and Felix were there too. Uh, yeah, they Layla looked, looked beautiful. Layla, yeah. I mean, Layla at Raducanu. I mean, I think they were happy to be there. They just, you know, put something nice. They weren't trying to look like a circus act. So, um, and with that, a rare. Winnipeg Sports Talk fashion segment to finish up a uh, an amazing show. Uh, got a shout out to Andy Mack oh. for joining us. I love having Andy on the program. Of course, Polly Edmonds uh, and everyone. The chat was lit today. It was great to see everyone. Now the comments, the comments now on this was great. Jeff Kabils, yes, the social distancing hairdo exactly on Osaka. Oh, and Kabils did also me- uh, mention there is a new WWE champion, Big E. Cashed in the money in the bank briefcase last night and beat Bobby Lashley. So shout out to the New Day and to Big E. It's been a long time coming. Um, all right. got to thank our sponsors. The Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Manitoba Battery over on Logan Avenue, Royal Sports, Canadian Club, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, and of course, Boston Pizza. 
tomorrow on the program. We'll have some great football talk. Marshall Ferguson's joining us. We'll have uh, the latest news and notes ahead of Jets minicamp and training camp. And we'll also get ready for the CFL season and a little bit more from the NFL with Ben Heiser as well. Folks, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube if you haven't already. And have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.